Uh, we're back out here at the Free Pentecostal Church of God out here on County Road 437. And this is what I walked into now. I'm telling you. It started off with Sister Sarah looking for a contact and turned into this. There's Brother Doug right there doing the bunny hop and Brother Lamar over there doing the crip walk. And there's Brother Paul on the keyboard breaking it in for the 99-2000. Sister Mildred's just passed by wearing the curtains from her house. She does it from time to time. I don't know. We are burning it up. Yeah, Brother Doug right there and them coal horns and them slacks. He said he was going to show you how to do the Dougie, show you how to do the Dougie. Delbert's behind him on the bass guitar. He's just waiting for the potluck lunch to start. He can't wait. And Brother Sam right there is a diabetic, I think. Somebody needs to get him something. (laughs) (laughs) Is that footage from your old church, Nick? So true, so true. (laughs) Yeah, it's a return to Nick Cavazos. We haven't seen you in so long, bro. I know it's been. I honestly feel like I need to owe YouTube an apology. I've just been gone for like two months or something. It's been a very good, worthy cause, though. Mm hmm. 100%. How are they doing up there? I mean, if you want to fill in the audience on what, what you were doing a little bit. Yeah, some of you guys might have seen, but so for the last essentially month, I was up in Oklahoma kind of helping out at the Harrisons. Or some people know them as the Liturgy of the Home Family. They're the ones who do the really epic calendars. Shameless plug, go buy a calendar. It's still early enough in the year. It's definitely worth it. It definitely helps them. But anyway, their young one, right, he's two years old. He has or really had a brain tumor that was growing on his brain stem. And long story short, they took him into the hospital, got about 90% of it removed. But because it's on a brain stem, you know, it's a little too delicate to get rid of entirely. The good thing, though, is it looks like it's not going to grow anymore. That's the good thing. He did have some post-operative complications. So five days after the operation, he had a a stroke, this little two-year-old poor boy. Mm -hmm. And so the left side of his face is, I would say, about 90% paralyzed. Now, the silver lining in all of this is that he is able, he's so young that he's able to more than likely recover and just yeah, be completely his normal. His brain will remap itself. Exactly. But like for us, we would be, we'd be toast, but yeah. for him, there's a good chance. So there was some post-operative process stuff he had to work through. They had to put it in a trach tube into his neck because oh, he was having God. a lot of hard time breathing. It was, it was rough. And it, honestly, the first day that I was there and saw them, man, it was, it was really tough. But last I just I just basically left them a few days ago, and I'm slowly making my way back to Texas. But they're doing much better. Still a long way to go. So keep them in your prayers. But um, yeah, I learned how to be a pig farmer, a cattle farmer, a plumber, and uh, taking care of four kids all at once. So I have absolute mad respect for every single parent out there because I wasn't really parenting. I just got a tiny little bit of a taste. And goodness gracious, how many kids do they have? So five and all. Five and all kids, okay. yeah. And one and one of them going through something that insane. Man, but you helped them out. You were helping them out on the point. Like you had to actually learn how to do farming and stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Which was so funny because like me, just I'm a metaphysician. I'm not a farmer. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so it was great. It was wonderful though. I liked it. Um, so we got the title in the video is uh the, the St. Pat's thing, but that's like the least uh like the least I have to say on like out of all the things, it's the tonight, least interesting, like, it is the least interesting. We all know yeah. our opinion on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, but I want to talk first off. Eric Sammons did a evolution show today, <sighs> which was clearly a response to all the crap we've been doing. <laughs> um, I think, all right. So I think he's here. I, all right. From his perspective, I know Eric and he looks at it like, 
these trads are going they're they're going the fundamentalist route like that's what his perception of it is and it kind of and i i want to have a conversation with him because i really like eric and i i think this is one of those things where like obviously catholics are allowed to disagree on it's not you know a dogma issue or anything i just think he's approaching the the, the whole thing incorrectly because the same way I think you just as I think like Catholic evolutionists are trying to read science into the book of Genesis. And that is very problematic. Like the the book of Genesis is not a scientific uh, account of creation. Now they will say that they like, they will say that, but in reality, they're actually doing that where they're saying, well, these two things are so incompatible. They can't work, but it's, it's not that we have a literal uh, interpretation of Genesis. Like I'm not even a hundred percent, on the the earth is 6,000 years old thing. My position is that the earth before the flood was so drastically different that it's something we can't comprehend. So like, if you go through Genesis, I mean, I, I, I just read it again the other day. If you understand what happens at the fall at the fall, like, uh, uh, Paradise is not on earth like we like we are now. It's in like a higher level of reality. So when they have the fall, before the fall, they're clothed, they have no they have no skin. Like God makes garments of skin for them after the fall. So they're basically like clothed in glory in in paradise. And paradise, even if you Oh boy. What? You're making me itch to join the discussion. <laughs> itch born. Yeah, dude, because me and Michael were talking this out. You want should I send them a link? Let them jump on. <laughs> I'm sending you the link, Michael. If you if you're free, if you're not, don't sweat it. Um, so hang on, let me say <laughs> let me send it from the link. Um, well, while Anthony does that, I'm gonna gonna wrap my cigar here real quick. It's uh it's from the uh, the new Incensum Catholic Cigar Company. Yeah, yeah. And it is absolutely delicious. Oh, he, he can't join anyway. So, all right. So, the, the thing is, like, so in in Eden, before the fall, they're basically clothed in glory. Then the fall Nick's happens, and they actually, like, they fall lower into, like, a more carnal state where God mm-hmm. gives them garments of skin. Now, as you see the story progress... Uh, Michael Hitchborn pointed this out. He goes, so you see the story of Cain and Abel happen. Now, when Cain gets the mark, all they talk about in the story is Cain and Abel were descendants of Adam and Eve, right? So they don't mention any other people, but when Cain gets the mark, he's like, "If now when people see the mark, they're going to try to uh, hurt me. But what other people, right? So it's not a literal telling. But what you see with the story of Cain and Abel is another fall, and they fall into a more carnal state of reality. So it's like these continuous falls, right? When we had Hitchborn on, we were talking about how the, like the dinosaurs, it was like a a different atmospheric, like, you know, it was like a different atmosphere. So uh, mosquitoes with wings this big were able to fly. So it's this pre-Diluvian world, this anti-Diluvian world was so different what God is trying to show you is that at the flood, it's the end of a world. Like it's the end of a world completely. And a new world comes about through the flood. You could see like before the flood, everybody lives like 900 years. And you see it starts with, I think um, Adam lives to like 970 years. Then it's uh, 
Cain and Abel went to like 830. And it's all these big numbers. Now, all these big numbers are basically close to a thousand because a thousand would be complete. Like when you read in scripture about a thousand years, that's, you know, that's a complete number. So you're seeing after the fall, there's these incomplete numbers, but it's still very big. Now, after the flood, God limits people's lives to 120 years. So you're seeing this drastic change. Now, when an evolutionist is trying to base the world as if everything has been the same from the beginning. So they're looking at things and dating them as if everything's from this, but they're not taking into account that this catastrophic event happens, changing the entire face of the earth, continents shifting, floods happening, all these things happening that resets everything. So, yeah. Dinosaurs existed before the flood. Like all these things, the all of the, the, the ruins you see around the world, the pyramids, the monoliths, all these things are pre-flood. We don't even have a clue what that world was like. And then that event happens and changes the face of the earth. So if you're an evolutionist trying to figure things out, all evolution is is a narrative that they're trying to tell you how things came about from the beginning. So I don't like when Catholics have this mindset because it kind of destroys your whole understanding of what is God is telling us in our creation narrative, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where I, I saw Eric Sammons today has this scientist on and they're talking about the big bang and all these other things. It's like, he, he's just thinking too materialistic. He's missing out on the meaning behind a lot of things that, you know, I, I don't know. Just even the way they were talking about the solar system and and the, and the and they're talking about supernovas out in the galaxy. It's like these things meant something to the ancient mind, you know. And and now we just look at them as like these giant balls of gas burning out in in the galaxies somewhere. So for the I, I would, thing to work, the theory, the math, you know, the the math to work out, they literally had to invent something called black matter and black energy, accounting for. In what, the, as they say, ninety five percent of everything in the universe. Like, well, you, you know what? It, can you imagine being so bad at math? You had to be like, no, 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 teacher. <laughs> that, that's because of black energy, and that's why I'm ninety five percent wrong. <laughs> yeah, but dude, you have to think about that. All right, so me and my wife like wanted to watch this documentary the other day on Yosemite, right? Like, we want to watch this documentary on Yosemite. It's beautiful. You see these, these waterfalls that are like the highest on the planet. It's this beautiful place. And this guy's actually paragliding through it and stuff. And you're watching the documentary and all of a sudden it's, but climate change, (laughs) climate change is going to ruin it all. Every single thing you watch now has a message. There's nothing out there that you can watch that doesn't have a message that they're trying to force down our throats. We saw this with the AI Google thing recently, right? Mm -hmm. So the point is any documentary you watch on science, they are trying to push a message on you. Every single nature documentary you watch discusses it as if all life evolved from a primordial sludge. And there's no questions asked about that. It's just a given. The idea that all life started from some bacterial sludge to me is just preposterous. It's just ridiculous. I I do think there are um, like previous forms of animals because an animal can adapt within its species. So there might have been a primitive version of a bear, a primitive version of something, but it doesn't change. So in other words, God created those species in themselves and they adapted through, you know, millennia. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. don't I don't see it 
you know, it just seems preposterous to me. The the whole idea of watching anything with science nowadays just seems so inundated. And and the thing with um with the creation narrative, it's also symbolic for the spiritual life, right? So I'm saying you guys are missing the meaning of things. When you see that as they delve into sin, they're going into a more carnal state, that works for your spiritual life too. If you dabble in sin, you fall into a more carnal state. You go into your more base self, right? I mean, you look at that in the story of Pinocchio. Pinocchio, as he when he goes to Pleasure Island, the more debased he gets, he becomes a donkey. Mm-hmm. And if you read the fathers or any any of the mystics of the church, they always talk about approaching God as if you're going up on a mountain, right? The the earliest um, monastics, they went on those stalactites, right? Or stalagmites. Which ones are the ones that go from the bottom? They were, they were those, uh, well, basically, uh, they were called like starlights. They would just sit on those massive poles up yeah. in the middle of the of the sky and they just hang out. Now, they did that because there was something to going up into a higher right reality to get closer to God, right? So mm-hmm. you'll see in Greece, they have these... Um, they have monasteries on mountaintops. There's like this, uh, I forgot where it is, but you, you, there's like, there's six monasteries there now, but there used to be 20 on top of these mountain peaks. Yeah, there was stalact- stalagmites. Go up. Stylites. 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 Okay. Stylites. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I was close. Listen, I'm not that smart, guys. I just. <laughs> I barely remember what it was. But yeah, there's always this understanding of ascending the mountain, right? Like the spiritual mountain. And the descending of the mountain starts in the garden in paradise and paradise is a mountain and you see it unfolding and to think that evolution is a thing and to think in terms of the way these scientists talk you're completely trying to baptize the atheist creation myth and you're missing out on the on the story god gave us and he gave it to us for a reason careful hitchborn's watching don't say myth too much so the very essence of the entire discussion boils down to what I wrote to Eric on X. So um, Rob, I sent you, I sent you the link. See if you could bring it up. So um, you texted it to me. I texted it to you, but send it to yourself on WhatsApp. Uh, I'll pull it up. Hang I on, got it somewhere here. Okay, so it started with Eric. I had a fascinating discussion with a Catholic scientist about the origins and beginnings of the universe. Note they are not the same thing. It's amazing how God displays his grandeur and his creation. So Michael said, the essential problem with the question about the age of the universe is that um, scientists are attempting to apply science to a miraculous event. If the universe was created by God, then by the very nature of that act, it is a miracle which supersedes the laws of nature. Because of this, and by definition, science will not be able to explain it. To prove the case, the miracle of the wine at the wedding of Feast of Cana shows perfectly how science will fail when attempting to explain the age and origins of the universe. So we talked about this when Michael came on, right? Um, you saved the best wine for last. Now, how long does it take to make a good wine? It takes 30 years, right? So when Jesus creates the wine, the, the, turns the water into wine, it's immediately 30 years old. So there, there, it, this miraculous event didn't take 30 years. So a scientist studying that would say, well, no, this wine has sat here for 30 years. I mean, it's just the, the principle of it, right? So there's this miraculous event that happens. So you, and as, and with that, them failing to, because their whole premise is everything has been the same from the beginning. 
So when they see something, they're basing it on, okay, well, we see this much sediment has landed over the course of 100 years or 200 years. Just multiply that number and you get back to the beginning of things. And it just doesn't work that way when you have this cataclysmic event that happens. Um, yeah, so Michael like went through all this stuff. So Eric says it's it's a bedrock principle of Catholicism that we're able to use our reason to understand God's orderly create orderly creation. If we lump all of creation as a miracle, then this becomes impossible. Things could appear a certain way, but could be radically different due to a miracle. So Michael goes in. If you guys want to go check that out, there's a there's a little thread between them. But like I said, Eric evolution is, requires God to be working constant little miracles all the time. Yeah, right. To to switch a species from one thing right. to another. Yeah, exactly. To, it it's a miraculous thing because it doesn't actually happen in nature. It's, it's and evolution is also completely opposed to actual logic and reason and philosophy. So therefore, by Eric's own standard, evolution is impossible. Now I don't know if he was arguing fully for evolution he was more arguing against the age of the universe right or the age of the earth now i don't i don't think anybody argues for a young universe it's more a young earth right mm -hmm. so I, I mean and i'm not even saying it has to be seven thousand years old i just don't believe it's millions of years old I'm, I'm just i'm i'm looking at the story in genesis and it's it's not literally saying, yes, this is literally what happened, but it is describing a course of events that happened at the beginning of human history. And then this cataclysmic event that wipes everything out and you just everything you're all these fossils you're finding today that they're claiming are millions of years old. Like there's no way for them to actually verify that you can't actually test something to know it's millions of years old. Mm -hmm. They're all just educated guesses. It is. And that's one thing that I'm wondering is like, the cognitive dissidence of like a, of a kid in college, like a secular college, because on the one hand, like in the philosophy courses, he's basically learning uh, essentially quasi like nominalism and rationalism. So it's just like truth is in me and I impose the truth on the outside. I feel like this, whatever. And then I impose that reality upon everyone else. But then he goes over to the science building and he's hearing something like, well, yeah, you know, we have to observe evidence going all the way back to this primordial sludge, but then it doesn't give you a real good answer. Like, okay, so if everything is primordial sludge, does that mean like philosophical concepts such as truth and beauty and goodness also evolve? Are they an absolute? What about existence? Where does existence come from? And this is where just Aristotle and Aquinas just absolutely continue to destroy every shred of attempts of modern academia because it just goes back to one simple premise. Man is looking for a cause to the effect. We're looking at the universe. What's the cause? It has to be yeah. something greater than the universe, which is God. Well, that's the whole point of evolution. The whole point of evolution is to give you an alternative narrative to the Christian narrative. That's all it is. It's all it is. It's just it's it's just a narrative that they're throwing at you. And it's, any it's an inverse to our narrative, right? Yeah, because mm -hmm. our 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 narrative is from the top down. Literally, God, you know, God created everything. Their narrative is from the bottom up. You know, sludge to everything. To yeah, it's it's demonic inversion. Yeah, I just I think it's dangerous for even the even the young earth creationists to try to wedge science into Genesis. It's not a scientific account. So don't uh you know, there's something about when God tells Adam to name the animals, it's more about God asking Adam to participate in creation. 
It's not that Adam literally said, that's a lamb, that's a goat, that's a triceratops, you know, <laughs> like that's yep. not what's going on there. It's, it's just not, but it is describing a historical event that actually did take place. This is what happened. There was a fall of a, a man, of man and woman who were not quite like we are today yeah. when they were in paradise. 100%. Like man in paradise was complete, like all of his lower faculties and passions were completely subject to read it, reason in obedience to God, which is pretty crazy because then it's like, sometimes we're thinking like, oh, how dumb could you have really been to like fall for Satan? And it's not, I mean, it's stupidity, but what makes the fall so absolutely egregious is that man willfully and knowingly as a creature who had all of his faculties subordinate to God chose to completely ditch that for fruit. So it's it's this temptation for knowledge too, right? So mm -hmm. it's a it's a warning against curiosity for some things. Yeah. It's like this, and it's something about the way consciousness unfolds, like something about like becoming aware of ourselves and uh <laughs> <laughs> It's, but I didn't, I don't want to talk about it. But when I see, you, you talk uh, about it in every episode, though. I know. But when I see Eric Salmon's doing a show on it, like, and also you got to realize I'm thinking about these things too, right? So yeah. when, when I'm thinking about these things, like sometimes like a new insight will come to me and I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll share that and go a little deeper with, with you guys on something, you know? So, you know, it's not always the same conversation. Yes, anyway. we do discuss it, but there's always something new a little bit added to it every time we talk about it. I'll, I'll, Anthony will give up talking about evolution. I'll give up talking about Vatican II, and we'll be our great penitent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we bring up the other story I wanted to talk about, which was the um, the Supreme Court possibly hearing this Catholic mm -hmm. family's appeal because their child had gender confusion in school, Crazy. and the state took the kid from the parents because they would not affirm their gender uh, identity. Where did you and they would have did I text that to you? I texted it in the group text with me. Yeah, and, group text. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, the, the parents wouldn't affirm their child's gender identity and then when they would have supervised visits, they weren't allowed to talk to the kid about God. They weren't allowed to talk to the kid about their their gender anything they were just stuck dealing with the state the state took their kid and the and the state put the kid with foster parents who affirmed his, I, I don't know if it's actually a, a, a biological male or female see so what, see what good our uh our error of the freedom of religion has done for us does well, it that's so why much you, good? you have to hope the supreme court hears this because this could put a stop to this in a whole bunch of states that are doing this right there's there's a bunch of states that are saying these are sanctuary states for gender blah blah blah, blah. so like a, a and they're midwestern states like indiana i know it's crazy you would think this is the bible belt like the heartland of america mm. Not the no. Bible Belt, but Indiana's not in the Bible Belt. Indiana is part of that. Like it's it's them in Ohio and Iowa have been like fairly red the last dozen plus elections for the most part, and so that's why it is somewhat strange. But I'm honestly not surprised because you know Tim Pool talks about on his show all the time how there's a lot of people who will be these woke elites who will go to red America and then they'll run for office as Republicans, saying all the right stuff. But then once they're in office. 
they'll completely <laughs> flop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that that's just what it is, is that there's Marxist style infiltration in so many places. And I think Nikki Haley's a straight up communist. Oh yeah, no, I mean, she's yeah. She's Killery 2.0. But I mean, yeah, especially in an organization like CPS, no matter what state you're in, 90% of the people in an institution like that, they're gonna be woke Marxists no matter what. So what I found interesting is what you brought up, Anthony. I did not know whenever I read one of the articles on it was what they're they're not allowed to, the parents are not allowed to even mention God to this person. Yeah. So these are parents talking to their child. They're not allowed. So, I mean, if the Supreme Court hears this, it could be groundbreaking and and change the whole landscape in the country. Um, Why don't we read the story? Because I had an interesting conversation while I was on vacation with my brother-in-law. And I think I'm going to wind up catching grief for my position on this. Grief from us or from your family? From you guys. I I really do think people are going to misunderstand what I'm saying, but okay. Um, I'll do my best to purposefully misunderstand. (laughs) An Indiana Catholic couple whose child was removed from their home following disagreements over their son expressing a desire to identify as the opposite sex are asking the Supreme Court to hear their case. Parents Mary and Jeremy Cox follow the Bible's teachings on human sexuality, ascribing to the belief that God designs humans as male and female because of their religious beliefs and adherence to biological reality, they could not abide using feminine pronouns to identify their son, who demanded to be called by a female name after he told his parents in 2019 that he identified as a girl. 2021, the Department of Child Services initiated an investigation into the parents following a report that they weren't affirming their son's chosen identity as a girl. The boy was eventually removed from his parents' care and placed in a home that affirmed his self-declared gender identity. Uh, according to the law firm Beckett, the parents have filed a petition with the Supreme Court asking the justices to hear the case, stating this court should grant this petition and affirm its precedence on the right. Uh, I lose my spot. The right of fit parents to custody of their children. Yeah, so that's basically the story, right? So I, t- I was talking to my brother-in-law about the whole gender conversation, and, I, and I'm like, I'm wondering if by us yelling there's only two genders we've put people because there was always um there was always the the tomboy right there was always the tomboy and maybe the more effeminate boy mm-hmm. always the tomboys those, and always fairies right so those kids now who are tomboys and fairies because we're saying there's only two genders are being like, well, I guess I have to fit into one of these two boxes and they're being forced into one. Like, it's almost like I I know gender and sex are the same thing. So gen there are, yes, there are two genders, but gender expression kind of has a little bit of, you know, there, I don't know if that's the right word I'm using though. That's why. Cause uh, he was like jumping on me. He's like, there's two genders. I'm like, I'm not saying that. Of course there are two genders. Like, like there are two sexes. I, I think the yes. whole idea of gender expression is that, that it's just stupid. We shouldn't even use. But I'm worried that we've put ourselves in a position where because there's no framework for them to work in, they are they're like, well, if I'm a little effeminate, I must be a girl. Oh, if I'm a little masculine, yeah. I must be a boy. That's what that's all I'm saying. Like, I'm worried if we chose to frame the conversation wrong. Sure. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think you're wrong. I think that it's actually a good thing because I think what you're talking about is like in masculinity, you know, there's a, there, or femininity, there's, there's a certain range of how someone would necessarily express that. 
But I think where that can go back to, it, I mean, it can literally go back to like how much testosterone, like for instance, a woman yeah. might have mm-hmm. as opposed to the next woman. So it's like, you know, one woman may be like, oh, you know, I want to go and build a tree house, you know, with, with my, my brothers and my brother's friends and et cetera, et cetera, and play stuff like that. And then the next girl's just like, yeah, I just want to play with dolls and have a tea party. Now with that Michael. girl that wants to play with the, with the tree house. It's be, mm-hmm. I mean, look at look at Nancy Charles, right? We had exactly. Nancy Charles on. Nancy Charles was just like kind of a tomboy. Exactly. She, she had same-sex attraction, right? But she goes to therapy, and the therapist is like... Horrible. <laughs> you got you to gotta transition. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was a miracle that she had a conversion experience, right? I, like, it was a legit miracle. I think the problem is, is we, just as a society, don't even understand masculinity or femininity at all anymore so we've so there was a warping of what it meant to be masculine and i hate to use the term toxic masculinity but you have that sort of uh that that sort of alpha male masculinity that was kind of pushed as the idea not that that that's wrong i mean aspects of it are but that's not solely what it means to be masculine St. Joseph would have never fit, you know, your average, like, you know, alpha male stereotype, but he's a model of masculinity. Yeah, well, we don't, we don't, yeah, we, too. Well, you can see the conversation that um, Tim Gordon's having against the, the red pill scene are like perfect, right? So the red pill guys are basically like, like, there did is you, a form of toxic masculinity. Did you see, did you see Fred? Matt Frad even said it was dude. Did you watch the show that he promoted? Like that I have to, I'll have to. I'll have dude, to it is so good. Uh, like they just break down how ridiculous what the red pill is saying that it's basically meninism, you know, instead of feminism. Mm. I mean, it's just it's the same exact thing as feminism, just the male version of it. They're saying go and be promiscuous, go and do, like they're all of their ends that they they seek are natural ends. They're all, you know, hedonistic, uh, hedonistic mm-hmm. pleasures. And, mm-hmm. and, and those are the ends they're seeking. Like they're telling these guys, you if you're going to get married, you got to have 50 chicks under your belt. You got to have a $200,000 a year income. It's like, dude, if you sleep with 50 women before you're married, you will never be a faithful husband. You just mm-hmm. won't be capable of it. You will have so many bad habits. You will never like that is a guarantee your marriage is going to fail. Plus, they continue that cesspool of thinking fornication is normal and something you should engage in, which is just just disgusting, and that's the problem. What the what the what the red pill doesn't discuss is if you talk to anybody who did live that hedonistic lifestyle, they will tell you how they feel like garbage. As I mean, you listen to any celebrity talk about it, they they you know the uh, like the rock stars. They'll talk about it. They'll say, you know, I I was sleeping with a different woman every night. It just left me feeling empty. If you ever hear a rock star conversion story. Those yeah, are yeah. the best, you know. Like if you listen to the guy from Corn, um, yeah, Brian, uh, Brian, Brian, something, yeah, yeah, Brian, something. He talks about it. He's like, you know, I'm sleeping with all these women. I'm doing all these things, but it just leaves an emptiness in you. You're grossed out by the person you were with, and you just want to get rid of them. And it's uh-huh. just, it, it leaves such an emptiness in you. And that's something they never even touch on. And part of it, like these guys are all bragging like, yeah, I've been with 50 girls. It's like, dude, you sat at the club until two in the morning until the last straggler was there because you tried to get with all the pretty girls, all of them turned turn you down. And you ended up leaving with the 
freaking whale at the end of the night that was just doing the same thing you're doing and you're bragging about it like it's some great thing like these guys are just <laughs> they're living in this delirium and t- uh tim his friend nick and uh somebody else i forgot just did a great job of just laying out that what an awful version of masculinity that is and you know that self-sacrifice and really like laying down your life and they, they just did such a good job of it i know a lot of people uh uh think what they think of tim gordon i think i think he's the only guy actually talking about what needs to be talked about on this topic i think you're right rob honestly because like when you said that we as a culture don't know masculinity or femininity i think that's rooted in our hyper individualism in the united states because it's like you look at all these other countries you know they say oh i became a man when i went through this rite of initiation and my father said that i was a man or vice when, versa when, Whereas when that's your what? society recognized you as a man exactly and us were just like well i don't know mate like when i could drive or when i could vote or you know whatever right we kind of just figure it out ourselves and the problem is that all of our system is so wonky when we look to our fathers we get that image of masculinity, whether for good or for bad. And so I've seen some videos out there that have actually been pretty interesting on the character archetype from J.R. Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings, Aragorn, how Aragorn is like the perfect masculine man, because on the one hand, you know, he'll travel, he'll fight, he'll defend those, he's loyal, etc. But then at the same time, it's like when his brother in arm, Boromir, dies, right? Spoiler alert yeah. <laughs> for those of you who still don't. It's only been out 70 years, but spoiler alert, guys. Yeah, just, just in case. Um, but like, you know, he, he like in a very like noble way, like, you know, weeps and then like kisses his brother's head. He, he sings, he writes poetry. Exactly. Like, so he's, it's like David, right? David's killing lions, bears, and Philistines. And then he's also writing the Psalms and expressing that emotion in a very good way, like a controlled way. Right. But he's still expressing it. Whereas I think a lot of us get our image of masculinity from like eighties movies, where it's just this like macho guy who like sleeps around, swears a ton, drinks a ton, drives a ton of fast cars, and that's it. And then for women, vice versa, you know, it's like, okay, they have to be just like either on the one extreme, right? A man, right? They must be a man, exactly like a man, or well, especially in, in pop culture, right? In pop culture, yeah. it's the superhero chick, it's a uh, it's Lara Croft Tomb Raider, this big <laughs> chick kicking the crap out of every guy around. It's like I, I can't even like Horrible. dude. There's I I'm not kidding. I cannot watch anything anymore. Every single day. Look, I'm telling you right now, I um I am very worried about the Cabrini movie, right? Um yeah. just from the trailers. I don't know, and I know I know some of the people that were uh producers of it and stuff, so I don't like I, I don't know, I didn't see it yet, but I see in the trailers it seems like they're going for the uh like there's one clip where John Lithgow says to her, Cabrini, you'd have been a great man, you know? And it's like this, this super chick who's just going to go against the, the, the hierarchy and she's going to get things done. And I'm hoping that they frame that movie as her love for God. I have a feeling, and I could be wrong because once again, it's made by angel studios, which does the freaking chosen. So you never know, but like Ryan Grant, um, uh, Buck Hall, they've both seen, they haven't seen the theatrical final cut, so who knows? But from what they saw, you know, saw they said it was it was good and was faithful. I hope to the so. Form. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not. So I'm maybe not gonna maybe they're the trailer is going to 
to draw people in thinking that's what they're going to see. Yeah. And then to be like, no, the, yeah. you're, it's going to hopefully be the exact opposite. I see they're like releasing it on Women's Day and, you know, International Women's Day. And I just hope, I mean, let's hope for the best. That's all. I haven't seen it yet. So, um, but yeah, it's that, it's that model for women to have to be the girl boss it's everywhere now so yeah um and the same thing with men like you're saying it's either that super macho guy or now it's just it's like peter griffin from family guy he's the art he's the iconic architect on the other end he's this weak yeah he's this weak person the children run rings around him they're way more smart and you know he's just this idiot he's this bumbling idiot and so it's like we need davids and aragorns out there rather than what, what do you having. think we could do as a good rite of initiation for our boys to become men in our culture like i never that's, did one with my son that's one thing i've actually wrestled <laughs> no, with. No, never mind never can't say that on youtube <laughs> <laughs> do you have any ideas what you might do with your son rob like i mean i took my son to do things right so i mean i like when my son a lot of uh we did a lot of uh, snowboarding trips together, the two of us, and had like deep conversations. And that's where, like, I, my son really received the Catholic faith in those three hour, four hour drives where him and I just had these deep conversations talking about the meaning of life and God and all that stuff. But I never did, like, a, hey, let's go out to the woods. So, We're going to do this ritual and you go from being a boy to yeah, a man. Yeah. So just from where, uh, taking into account where I live, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know what age, 14, 15, 16, probably somewhere in there. Take just him out on a, a canoe trip into the boundary waters with, you know, where we're doing a lot of portaging, purposefully bring less food than we should have to try to challenge him to catch fish or something like that. No, you have to tie you know, him but, to a tree. It's safe. You have to tie him to a tree, blindfold tree him. on fire. <laughs> and tell him you have to survive the night. I'm leaving. They actually did that in a culture, right? Now the now the father would be sitting fifty feet away to make sure nothing happened to the right. kid. But the kid doesn't know that. And he's sitting there with a blindfold tied to a tree. And if he makes it through the night, when he comes out the other end, he's a man. Like that was actually a ritual they would do. And that would be how you proved your your manhood. You Does know, they have still- in, in Australia they have the walkabout. Does this though get at the heart of like what is a man though? Because that's the thing is it's like even with these examples, while I think they're good, they do seem to lend toward like something physically you must do. Whereas like what if for instance you're disabled? So like I'm thinking about like for me, I'm thinking okay, what makes a true man a man is going to be someone who's has righteous character, so virtue, and you know they're a person of their word. And so if I'm instilling virtue in my child from a young age. So teaching them chastity, obedience, humility, right? And then whenever they get of age in their teenage years and you start to explain why we do these things, if they start living these things out, then I think at some point you can actually sit down and you've looked and examined your son's life and you can say, you are a man who practices chastity. You are a man who practices humility. You are a man, right? That's what a man is because you're letting your reason right by divine grace rule you as opposed to your passions running you around. If that makes sense. I think that's what a man is, is someone who allows their reason truly through virtue to guide them around. I I agree with that. I think you still need to do some sort of physical, like ritual, some sort of almost liturgy, right? Like, so I, I, you know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It has to be a ritual. 
I, I think I think you could do what you're saying, Nick. Mm-hmm. Like you've 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 shown that you are ready for this ritual, for this sort yeah. of liturgy to take place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a there was a point where my son was he was about 16 he was fighting with my wife and i grabbed him and i go a boy fights with his mom a man takes care of his mom that's the difference and something about that conversation like clicked in his head and when my wife would ask him to do something he would just kind of be a little more docile to it you know where he would argue with her before that and it was like these little conversations you have with your kids will affect them so Mm -hmm. I remember that was one of them, you know, because you kept fighting with my wife over. I'm like, no, a, a boy fights with his mom. A man takes care of his mom. That's that's the difference in boyhood and manhood. But I never did like a ritualistic thing with him. You know, I wish I would have gone out into the woods, just the two of us and had some kind of an issue, maybe even with his uncles and, you know, did something with like a group of guys. And said, All right. tonight." I, I kind of had that actually when I was 16, when I turned 16, my father gathered pretty much every older men who had any impact in my life. So it's like music teachers, pastors, mentors, older parents, uh, friends. And they came together for a very like small, intimate surprise birthday celebration. And at the birthday celebration, what they did was they each handed me something that had really impacted them in their life. Like whether that be a tool, a memory or something that kind of helped formulate them as the man that they were. And then they all passed that down to me. Now they didn't say, in that speech, you know, we W a man, but in that it was kind of a physical representation of like, okay, you are a man now, here are the tools that we are passing on to you. And so sometimes it can honestly be just something as simple as like you maybe just passing down to your son, something of value, whether that's knowledge or maybe knowledge plus something physical. And then just saying those words, you are now a man. That's I think that's really way. good, Nick. Yeah. I mean, in so many different stories, you see that that passing of a, a memento from father to son, or from grandfather Maybe a knife, to right, like like a, a knife, like a knife uh, yeah. that, that meant something to the dad, or yep. yeah, yeah, could be a rosary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah exactly. Great. Great. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, man. Like my dad, growing up, my dad was a phenomenal um, role model for the man who takes care of his family. Right. He, he taught us an amazing, all my brothers have such good work ethic. Like every one of us are just, you know, we all work at the same company, but every one of us made it to like supervisor positions. And uh, every one of us will never turn down a day of work. We'll work Saturdays. We'll work overtime. Like we don't care. We just want to make sure our families are taken, taken care of. And I have cousins that work there too. And their fathers didn't do that with them. And they are just awful because their fathers didn't teach them work ethic. But yeah. my dad never – I always had, like, this bitterness that he never handed me down the Catholic faith properly, you know? He had a, he had a phase where he was Catholic, and but he always left, cate- like, catechetical stuff to my mom, mm. you know? And he kind of was just in the background, and he would say things like, you got to go to church. You got to – like, but he never had any – but I don't know if my dad had a deep understanding. I don't think he ever did have a deep understanding of the faith. It was always more of a – an emotional high he got from being in the charismatic movement. And I don't think he ever had that good foundation to pass on to me, but I mean, I'm talking even like, oh, man, there, oh, I don't know if I want to say this on publicly. Oh boy. <laughs> there was a, uh, 
There was an incident where he like said something to me about like he told me something about like his childhood, just like and bragged about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? Why are you telling me this? Like, like I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I, I shouldn't say it publicly. But I remember being like super disappointed in him. Like, what are you, why are you telling? Like, why are you bragging about that? That's not something to brag about, you know. And I, but like he, he didn't even understand. And it's weird because I wasn't even. I didn't even have my conversion yet. But something intuitive in me knew. Like this is this is the base. Like you shouldn't be bragging to me about this, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly just never ceases to amaze me. We see stats. We know people in real life where it's really the father that formulates the family 110%. And I think that's just something that we all got to realize. It's like every child, it's like this. I'm not a parent, but I've kind of gotten a tiny, tiny, tiny taste over three and a half weeks. (laughs) These kids are like coming up to me, asking me permission to do things or whatever. Right. And it's weird. Cause they're, you know, a 12 year old walks up and they, asks, they permission. saw you as a, as a, as maybe like an older brother figure where they had to. Yeah. And it's weird. Cause it's, I've never had that. And so like someone comes up to me and asks me permission, but they're 12. I'm thinking, you know, what do you need my permission for? You know, cause I'm never used to that. But then I realized like, oh, okay, what do I in this like brief period of time, pass on to them and so like i would try to instill like especially in the boys like you want to be a man you want to do something that's masculine pray your rosary every day especially for your parents right now stuff like that seeing the fact that like you see around us religion is so feminized but then instilling especially in guys that like the best thing that they can do is be reliant upon almighty God. And he's going to be the one that give them the strength to do what they're so, meant to so, do. So, so even though you're not a father yet, and I, I want to say this to Margo also, because I know Margo uh, doesn't have kids. So you are a father by your vocation, regardless mm-hmm. of if you have children or not. Right. So I go to work and I work with a lot of guys in their twenties and stuff. I'm always fathering those young men. Like there's so many guys at my job who look to me as like a voice of moral clarity. They'll, you know, they're like when they, when they were, when they would get engaged, they couldn't wait to tell me that, Hey man, I'm finally stepping up and I'm doing the right thing. Cause I was, I would always say to these guys, like, what are you doing with this girl? Mm-hmm. Like, what, yeah. like, what are you, what is she, your concubine? Like, what are you doing with this girl? Is she, are you going to marry her? Like I would right. always talk to the guys like that. You know, I would talk to them about mm-hmm. like the, the beauty of having a family and the importance of being a father and what you're, what your responsibility is as being a father. And those aren't my kids, but that's the role I play with them. So like every guy you come in contact with, even if they're older, like you do have that in some ways, my, like I've told, I told in my talk, I talked about this. My son had to call me to go back to mass when I stepped away from the faith for that period of time. And my son was like a father to me. It was weird. He was like, dad, why aren't we going to church? You know? And it was like this little stroke of conscience that God put in my life. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. But Margo, you're, you're, you may be, but you're not alone, right? You do come in contact with people and everybody you come in contact with. Like it it doesn't mean to be overbearing and push your faith on people. It just, sometimes it just may be being an ear for them to talk to and a person that they can lean on and always using your faith as the foundation of the advice you give. Yeah. I would say, right. So, um, and uh, you said something else that made me think of something. What was well, that last thing? Nick, well, Nick said something that made me make a connection in my head. I, I just bought how feminine the, the church has become. And uh, I in thought 
to myself, I'm like, yeah, it's just so suffocating how feminine it's become. That made me think about Anthony, how you have said in the past how it's overbearing mothers that turn their sons gay. Yeah. Well, holy crap, suff- overbearing women have t- turned our church so incredibly gay. It's unbelievable. All right, so this is a good. This is a good. Um, Segway, there you go. <laughs> I'm so bad with some things. Right? Segway, it's like those a, stupid scooters from the 2000s. It's a good segue into St. <laughs> Pat's. So for everybody, everybody waiting to hear the St. Pat's story, because I, so I threw something out. All right. So, oh man, the reason I said it was because Father Krupp, who's always charitable. Um, I want to find his tweet. Sometimes kind of to a fault. Yeah, to a fault, I would say. Um, but I want to get his tweet and read. Uh, um, so true, I Tyler. So true. <laughs> yes. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it. It was more or less about how we were all unfairly attacking the, the priest. Like it was his fault, right? Yes. Um, I actually will have it in a second. Okay, so I got it. Okay, so it, his was a response to another priest. Okay, so this priest says, I would not have got, it would never have gotten to that point. The moment someone I don't know and who doesn't have a relationship with the parish requests a funeral mass for a loved one who also isn't known, I ask questions. Who are you? Who is he? I Google names. By that point, the thing would have been called off and so-called eulogies. The So he goes into that whole thing. So Father Krupp says, uh, brother, if I may be so bold, how many parishes are you a pastor of? How many funerals do you do a year? I t- uh, I typed this for a few reasons, but I guess the key is this. I'm deeply saddened by how many experts on the situation have risen up and decided the church is the problem in this with some members of the gay and trans community. Uh, the church is the problem instead. Wait, I'm sorry. I lost it. Decided the church is the problem here and needs to be addressed. The problem is with the some members of the gay and trans community. They did something awful, and I have yet to see a member of that community condemn it. I've seen a ton of Catholics going after the priests in the parish, and I guess I'm just astounded. So, you know, he said then goes insane. Jesus, there, there are requirements that must be met for someone to receive a Catholic funeral, and it is uh, the, the parish's responsibility to make sure that those requirements are met. When I, when I went down to the parish four hours away to bury my dad, they made sure that he was, you know, he was a Catholic and that he met all the requirements to receive a Catholic funeral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dude, you go and you want to go get married. They say, you got to make sure you go through pre candy You Mm -hmm. both have to be baptized. They ask for your baptismal records. They ask for like, they don't just, and and they want their donation. If you're not part of the pattern, a lot of people get mad at that. They're like, "Uh, the the church wanted me to pay for my marriage. It's like, dude, you don't go to the parish. Like, and now you want a service from them. Yeah. You got to pay for that. If you're a mm-hmm. member of that parish and you go every week and you're giving money every week, they're not going to ask you for anything. But if you're just coming in and you want to use them for the sacrament real quick, yeah, you're going to have to give something. But regardless, that was a little tangent. But yeah, they're going to ask for documentation. Who are you? And especially in a cathedral. What is a cathedral? It is the bishop's cathedra. 
It is the chair of the bishop, the cathedral, right? Everything is supposed to be by the book at this place. This should have been run through meticulously, right? At, at the cathedral, you're, you're, you know it's going to be a lot of views on it. This is a very high-profile thing. So I said, I'm going to make a bold claim and say the clergy at the cathedral probably had no clue, and this all happened because of some broad they put in charge because, of, of course, women have to be in positions of leadership, which is what we're dealing with all over the church. You have Susan from the parish council everywhere and women are essentially running the parish. I mean, dude, I called, so you know how they have confession on Saturday from four to five mm -hmm. before the five o'clock mass. Yeah. I've sat on that line and missed it. So I've called the parish, gotten the secretary and said, Hey, I want to set up confession. Uh, is father available. He does confession from four to five on yeah. Saturday and tells me no. And I'm like, Miss, I know you think you're making this call. I want you to go and ask the priest if you will meet with me. I'm just telling you when we do confess, I'm asking you to please ask the priest anyway. She goes and asks the priest. The priest says, absolutely, come now and I'll meet you. <laughs> and it's like this woman wanted to rob me of absolution because she thinks she's in charge. So mm -hmm. I think there's a good chance that a woman at that runs the, the cathedral, which is absurd, may have been behind it but rob said he's heard some rumors that i don't you well, know it, it was uh it was on catholic family news um they uh someone from the diocese who, who used to work in the diocese no longer does said, said that um they definitely knew who was being buried they definitely knew like they, they knew it all i mean this for any other high profile mass at their funeral at the, the cathedral like they, there's a strict process they go through before they allow a person to be, you know, have a funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral. That's what I would think, right? There should be a very strict process. So if an insider says that there was no deception involved and that moreover, that they didn't say this priest specifically, but that 90% of parish priests in that part of Manhattan are homosexual themselves. So. Yeah, I I well, think it's one hundred percent plausible. Rob, also you mentioned this one to me. Uh, this one, uh, this is revenge that, for that, having Father Ripper. That same inside source at the diocese said that they believe that this was specific, not revenge, but it was a way for them to appease to balance the rich, it out the rich liberals who were upset that Ripperger, Ripperger whichever one it is, I think it's Ripperger, right? The, yeah, yeah, it. yeah. It, uh, that Ripperger was allowed to speak. The thing that worries me about like saying this stuff is that we don't know, and I, no, I we do don't in hearsay. I just hate dealing in hearsay. You know, it's like uh, the way I see it: the parish either allowed it because they knew, or they didn't know, and they did not do their due diligence to yeah. figure it out. Well, either so way, either the, way, they were at fault. And and so Father Father Krupp was like. I just think it's so shameful that like everybody immediately wants to blame the church. It's like, do we not have a, a right to expect something from our hierarchy and our leadership? Do, like, are we not are we not allowed to have any expectations of orthodoxy and fidelity to the truth at this point? I mean, is is that where we are now? At this point, we're just happy when a, a priest is caught having an affair with a woman and not a man. It's crazy, but that's it, it's <laughs> like uh you know, Joe mentioned on this show many, 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 many moons ago when he said that, like, is your is our expectations or our, like standard of whether this is a good bishop or not so low that it's literally just does he allow the TLM? Shout like, out to Joe Boca. It's, it's been it's a while. So true. 
Miss shout him. out to Joe Boca, man. I miss him. I actually talked to him yesterday. But it's so <laughs> true. It's so true. And that's, I mean, okay, I'll say this tiny bit tangent, but then move on to your point, which is like, again, I don't believe all of this is like the true church of Christ and the bride of Christ. I think that just so much of this is just that post-conciliar nonsense church that has nothing to do with the gospel. Tangent over. Now addressing addressing specifically this, I think when it comes down to it, think about it logically for a second. We don't know whether or not this is confirmed or not, right? So we don't know for sure. But is it really that hard to believe at the end of the day that the that the diocese would have known about it? Because Especially if 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 Jim, you know, Slim Jim Martin knew. Yeah, it's like if, he this did. Is, if this is the cathedral. You would think that they would have a little bit more of a background check. Plus, think about it from the perspective of the opposition. They knew they could get away with this if it was if it if it was, you know, deception, then they knew that they could get away with this. One, what does that say about the parish? But two, if they knew that they could just partner with them and get away with it, it's even worse. And so that's my whole point is it's like at the end of the day, at best, it's the worst negligence of all time. If okay, you so yeah, so now the the LGBT group is going to protest for the cutting the funeral short, and you also have a rosary rally going on. TMP the people who up. want reparation for the for the for the blasphemy that occurred, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what did oh, what did that just say, Rob? I didn't see that. I didn't mean to click that. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how Dolan handles because Dolan Dolan is such a politician, dude. So he's like, he's he's such a politician, man. He's like, it's like everybody was like, "What's Dolan gonna say?" And he's like, "I praise the priest for cutting the man short." Like he's always got an angle, man. The thing is, Dolan is my—he's not my bishop because I'm not in New York City, but he's your metropolitan. He's my metropolitan, and he also allows my favorite parish in the world to exist. So I don't want to be like. (laughs) <laughs> like I like my standard is so low that I'm just grateful that he allows holy innocence to exist. So. He cancels holy innocence and he says, Yeah, I watched this show online. <laughs> I actually thought about like writing him a letter of thanks for because it, it really is uh it, it's a it's it's like an oasis, that place, man. It's unlike I any parish. I did that with my bishop and now my mass is canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I did it, oh, I did really? it with mine too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so glad to see modern papers say that because like the, the, there's there's this weird thing going on that uh, I, Tim Gordon and Patrick Coffin was talking about it um, where it's like this this new genre of the post trads uh, the post trads that are coming in and they're they're pretty based when it comes to the Amish question. And they're pretty based when it comes to like you know a lot of issues. Well, that's because they're, they're they're kind of zoom you know they're zoomers so they're, they're zoomers and they're listening to Fuentes and they're listening to E. Michael Jones who both hold the you know the pretty similar positions right. It's like no 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 the Pope is <laughs> but they're they're not just saying like the Pope is the Pope and you know they're like Francis is the greatest thing ever you know and it's like <laughs> all right come on chill out guys like I understand the Catholic instinct to not want to slander your father. Like that is a very good Catholic instinct. I respect it, but to go overboard and be like he's he's actually good, I I have a hard time with that one. The uh, the the EMG EMJ is interesting because E. Michael Jones is hitting this argument as as against like people that say Novus Ordo 
are uh, are borderline uh, schismatic because they're 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 acting like they're if you go to the Novus Order, you're a second class Catholic, and it's it, it's so preposterous because the Novus Ordo itself, first off, the term Novus Ordo comes from the Novus Ordo Missae. We're not that's not a slanderous term, but the whole separation begins with the Novus Ordo when you start getting liberal liturgies and conservative liturgies, right? So you start to have this separation happen naturally. So if you live in a town, before you even know the Latin Mass exists, you want to go to a conservative parish where the priest is speaking on conservative things and the liturgy is not, you know, run by women. So you start seeking one out. Dance Mass that we saw a few days. Right. So as, as a regular Novus Ordo Catholic, you're already separating yourself from another. So this segregation begins just by the existence of the Novus Ordo. So, of course, if somebody discovers the traditional mass, it's like it's like they find this thing that they've been waiting for. And everybody that goes to the traditional mass is intentionally going there and they find like minded people. And you're just going to see a further splintering. But it doesn't necessarily mean the people going to that traditional mass look down upon people that go to the Novus Ordo. I got some spicy takes, honestly, about that video with that Tim Gordon made with Patrick Carlton. It. Because it's yeah, it's pretty it's pretty it was a good video. I was actually glad someone talked about it because I've seen the same trend online. Personally, and this is gonna make my generation, I think, really, really mad. My generation oh, great. I love pissing off the zoomers. Yeah, I was just like, this is the thing. There's this whole sub genre of Zoomers who, yeah, do the exact same thing. So it's like they're very based when it comes to a lot of geopolitical issues. But then when it comes to shilling for all the insanities of the papacy, they will be that, you know, shill machine, if you will. But what does it come back to? I truly think for a lot of them, it comes back to two things. For the influencers, it comes back to just pure, like, mental breakdown cope. They're trying to latch onto something that's eternal and timeless because they see the chaos in society, right? And so they, they're just like, okay, the papacy, I'll, I'll latch onto that. But they don't want to, with that, they go like to the zeal of a Trinitine era Catholic while trying to justify his liberalism. But yeah. then at the same time, the followers, right? So the thousands of people in the Twitter algorithms, the reason they do it is because they're just looking up to them for something to do, for, for, for someone to speak for them. For someone to follow. So that's what you mentioned. A lot of them follow Fuentes. A lot of them follow E. Michael Jones, right? We see, um, you know, uh, the, the rise of what Tim Gordon the other day talking about Mexican Rocky, right? And, and Michael Lofton, right? He's another great example. So, so a lot of people latch on to these guys. But it really is both the influencer and the follower. It comes back to a fundamental lack of understanding about the Catholic faith and pure reason. This is one reason I actually really do like Tim Gordon is because he'll always bring in classic philosophy and he'll just say, okay, why show for the Pope and basically be like, the Pope is the arbiter of tradition when your conclusions are leading you to the end point of saying only the Pope has the faculty of reason, right? And so that's yeah. what really what it is. And to my generation, yeah. we're starved for leaders, we're starved for truth. And so we're just following basically, you know, e-influencers, to try to find some justification for what we believe in, as as opposed to doing what you should do, which is go read a manual. It's so much better. Yeah, I, I under, but it really is a dude. This is a conundrum we are in because it, it, you have. Oh man, it's it is hard. Like, because I understand what E. Michael Jones is saying. He's he's saying like he's like you know you have to have unity. So he say the but that's why that's why I will will. Like you do need the Pope is still the central point of unity, no matter how you look at it. It yeah. doesn't mean he's the central point of 
clarity doesn't mean he's a central point of orthodoxy anymore. It used to be. Something's going on right now, though. But they treat it's, the Pope as if he's impeccable. So that's the thing. They'll, they'll talk about all the time defending the um, indefectibility of the church. But then whenever I hear them talk, one, they're not even talking about issues generally that deal with indefectibility. They're talking about impeccability. So yeah. they'll defend to the death a random quote by the Holy Father, right, which at least on its face can easily be read in a heretical way, right? They will defend tooth and nail that claim. But then literally, if a bishop was to have said the exact same thing, they're like, why are you in dissent from the Holy Father? <laughs> so crazy. It's the same it's thing. So crazy. Said. He'll say the same thing and he'll say he's going against what mm-hmm. Francis said in this document. And it's like, no, 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 Francis actually allowed for that in this document. We talked about it. It was like, what was it called? Like something Catholic monarchist that you got into a debate on with Twitter whenever Fiducia came out. And he's just like, how dare Slim Jim defy what Pope yeah, Francis it's like, said? Call like, dude, this he's, he's following it to a T. Somebody took a, a picture of J- uh, James Martin today or yesterday of him blessing another yeah. same-sex couple at the That's LA wreck. Now, I'll be honest, that one bothered me less than the first one right um it bothered me less just because it just looked like two dudes coming up and he just said a prayer over them it didn't look like like the first one was in a church and it's looking like he's blessing the union the one that he took today it's still wrong but it just looked like he just was saying a prayer over two people they could have been straight they could have been whatever it's just it obviously they weren't but like the the photo op wasn't as scandalous as the first right mm-hmm. so but yes, that is exactly what this document was given for. It's given so that guys like James Martin have an excuse to say, hey, I got the Pope's backing now. And even this thing in St. Patrick's Cathedral, I got news for you guys. If Dolan like really cracked down on it and went the Orthodox route, he'll get in trouble with Rome. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. 100%. So he has to make a choice now. Do I go against the trans community and Rome, because Rome and them are on the same on the same side right now. Wait, holy cow! You have to find the article, Rob. Um, there's a crazy article of um, the Roman catechist saying we are not going to catechize Rome anymore. Do you know what? The oh article yeah, is? I know what you're talking about. The Rome. Oh my gosh, man! This is like straight out of the apocalypse, <laughs> talking about. I'll just search your tweets because I know you, oh, well, you tweet forever. Hold on, I'll find it. Sometimes I'm tempted just to get X. Just to oh, get you know what you can. Me. Oh, you're on there. Stop pretending you're not. I'm not. I promise. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I wish I was. Uh, four pages down, and I'm only three hours through your tweets. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh... <laughs> Uh, you saying you'd sooner believe aliens landed in your backyard? <laughs> you um, search um, on you're talking about the chirp. Um, the chirp. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we had Ryan, we had Ryan uh, Katsu Rivera on. He was like, dude, you're wild on Twitter, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Women cops. Um, I know how to find it's it. okay Hang to be on. white. Boy, you one of my interactions with uh, I got it. 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 I'm gonna send this here right now, Rob. 
Okay. Well, while that comes through, and while Modern Papist is here, I do just want to share this real quick. Uh, Modern Papist has a YouTube channel, and his parish is raising funds for an adoration chapel. So he's oh. having his priest on his YouTube channel hey. March 2nd at 7.30 for a question and answer. So oh, very cool. And check him That's out, guys. Cool. Let's go. Um, okay, so ex-Catholics in Rome reconnect with roots, spirituality, and paganism. Uh, reconnect with roots, comma, spirituality, and paganism. As Romans search for alternatives to Catholicism, some have turned to Jupiter, Minerva, and Juno. So Vatican City, RNS, disillusioned by their experiences in Catholicism, some Romans are turning to paganism and finding a connection to their roots through worshiping the gods of antiquity antiquity whom they see as more welcoming than the church than this church who can be more welcoming than this church i don't get it rome is pagan pope francis told members of the roman clergy during a closed door meeting on january 14th when he urged them to consider the city a mission territory asked about the pope's surprising words a few weeks later the head of the department for catechesis in the diocese of rome admitted rome is at the same time pagan and the city of the pope it's a paradoxical city Makes you think Rome will become the seat of the Antichrist. It yeah. makes you think the, the the because we know in the end times Rome will rise again. Like the beast is Rome. You know, if you really understand what's going on there, even when it's talking about Babylon, it's talking about Rome and Babylon, this this entity that's going to rise up. Uh the number of practicing Catholics in Italy has plummeted after the pandemic. Uh, the Italian National Institute of Statistics found that only 19% of Italians were practicing Catholics in 22, compared with 36% in the previous 10 years. The number of people who never practiced their faith has doubled to 31%. But a lot of this is immigration flooding in, too. So the numbers are going to swap because you're bringing Muslims into the country. Yeah. Uh, while the church grapples with the causes behind the emptying pews, some who have left their faith behind are searching for other spiritual outlets. An eclectic group of Romans who gathered near the ancient forum on a windy morning have turned to Juno, Jupiter, and Apollo to find answers. I was a practicing Catholic for many years. I was a catechist. Of course a, you were. Of course you were. Probably taught at a Catholic school. Who recently started attending the ancient Roman rituals. Then I had a spiritual crisis when I moved in with my wife. What you, had a very bad experience and had to leave my church was this his second wife i wonder well it's italian who knows oh man paganism through sometimes used as a derogatory shorthand for anyone who does not worship the abrahamic god of judaism islam and christianity is an umbrella term that encompasses blah, 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 blah. dude this is this is wild like i'm not surprised i'm just not surprised <laughs> It's like it's like you know Tim Tim the other day right shout out to Tim Flanders he uh, he he put up this video where it was something to the effect of like you know the world like Vatican II wanted to basically dialogue with the world and the world rejected the offer and I put in the comment section below I said conservative Catholics want a dialogue with the world liberal Catholics want to become the world and traditionalists say exactly what James 4, 4 says, right? You adulterers and adulteresses know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. You become the enemy of God. And that's just what it is. If we have this mentality of not converting the world for Christ, then paganism is inevitably going to rise because a lack of evangelization is de facto quasi-pagan. It's like one thing I chuckled about is in the statement of the Holy Father. He says, you know, that 
we've become mission territory. But yet, at your own words, you've also said, don't convince people of the Catholic faith. So how are, you know, you say that, you also say things like Luther was right with justification. So how do you, like, why would you be upset? Why can't you just say that these people, because they do believe in a God, you know, they have that little bit of communion still with the church in some mysterious way. And can't we at least acknowledge that as being good? That's the problem. It all falls apart. Christ is king. we got to evangelize. we got to get on this game. It's getting ridiculous. It's weird because like as Catholics, especially when you read church history, you just you have this impression of the church going and preaching the gospel and spreading throughout the world and converting the pagans and bringing everybody to Christ. And then during the Reformation, we have our counter reformation and we do. And we're just in a time now where the church has quite literally laid down her arms. It's like Peter in the garden when Jesus says, put down your sword. It's this weird thing happening right now where the church has just laid down her arms and just said, go ahead, take us out. If you don't see the apocalyptic overtones of it, where it just looks as if we're in the garden of Gethsemane right now, where just the church has just laid its arms down. And Mm -hmm. it's weird, that story, because Jesus tells Peter to bring his sword to the garden and then he tells him to lay it down. It's a a weird story. You got to, you got to read like, all the synoptics of the Garden of Gethsemane, there's like little differences in there. You guys have, I know you guys have talked about before, like the famous quote by Bishop Fulton Sheen, where he's talking about communism and like the ape of the church and the counter church and stuff like that, right? But what a lot of people don't know, and I'll actually send you guys these quotes when the show's done, because I'll go look them up and I'll send them to you. But there's actually in the, the great theological tradition right, of the manualists before the council, in their official like these are official seminary textbooks approved by the church, right? So these aren't just their opinions. They talk about in their theological manuals about how in near the end of the world, Satan will rise up a counter false church that will have all the quote sacraments, all the quote marks of the church, but will do the inverse, the inverse in the mission of the church. So the mission of the church is to give God glory and to save souls. It will do the opposite. It will give man glory and it will damn souls. And that's exactly what we're doing. We focus so much on man. Yes, the religion of man. That we're damning souls. It's like you look at these people and you're like, okay, you don't have any hatred for these people. You feel sorry for them. Like like that one person said, right? They grew up in Catholic Christianity, but now they're going and practicing, you know, like a religion of these, as St. Paul says, right, demons who let's just be honest, like you read about all those Roman and Greek gods and goddesses, they were all just these hedonistic monsters, right? Yeah. That were they didn't care about you. They used you for their own pleasure, right? But people are looking for meaning in this whole self-religion that so much of the conciliar church has pushed upon mankind. It's not working. You, you, you want to know what's crazy? Like the early church understood there was a very important point to preserving the stories of these ancient gods to, to preserving the stories of the Greek myths to preserving these stories, because it saw itself as uh, like, if you, if you really understand the, the, the narrative of what the Christian story is, it fits in with these pagan gods where these pagan gods exist. And then Christianity, so you have, you have all these pagan gods around and then you have uh, the, the, the people of Israel where God is telling them, do not worship these other gods, these yeah. other false gods, do not worship them. They're all part of the story though. And then 
when Christ ascends, the light of Christ goes out on the world and it starts snuffing out these other gods. So, mm -hmm. so much a part of the story that these gods get put away and bound. God binds them in the lower places. Mm -hmm. And in the end times, there will be a releasing and these gods will return and there will be a rising of it. And you are seeing it happen like you guys people that lose their faith in times like this you guys are missing out on such an important point of the story we are in an exciting part of the story as yeah. much as it seems crazy and scary and all that like this is an exciting part of the christian story and when you really understand that you're in it and that you're seeing these things coming back it's it's it puts it in a perspective where you you will you should your faith should increase not decrease yeah, sometimes you just can't help but saying like there is a God that reigns in Israel because it's like, you know, if you see these things happening, if you see like, for instance, in the Olivet Discourse, St. Matthew uh, chapter 24, Christ talks about how in the end times that the charity of many will grow cold, mm -hmm. right? We always like in a memeish way joke online about my charity, right? But there's a lot of truth to that. You see like society's lost just basic common decency. Real charity, yeah, real charity. Real charity. We all, like in comparison, um, have lost so much that we could have. But then what does Christ follow that up with? He says, he that will endure to the end shall be saved. Right. And so this is the point. Like if you think that the church is always going to be this like 13th century powerhouse, which we would all love. Right. Admittedly, that's just not the case. Right. We yeah. will go back into the catacombs. Pius Twelfth talks about it. Right. He talks about like the day that the church abandons Latin is the day that we return to the catacombs. We're going to return to the catacombs, but it's there which the true light of faith will rise up and you'll start to see genuine conversions happen on mass. And, you know, I don't know if we're in the end of times. I don't know if this is maybe just the beginning of the age of Mary or not. Who knows? But it's exciting. Well, when you say the end time, look, it doesn't, oh man, it's hard to. I mean, we've technically been in the eschaton. Since right. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and so it doesn't mean like, uh, you know, Christ is returning tomorrow. It doesn't mean the Antichrist is coming tomorrow. It just. Bro, it just... I watched Left Behind last night. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's funny, though. That the Protestants have such a. Like they don't understand. They actually think Christ is going to return to reign on earth in the flesh for a thousand years. And they, it's just, dude, that's what's going to happen. According to the story is you're going to see a rising of these gods who were bound for this time. You know, it's and there and Rome will rise up again, like ancient Rome will rise up and there will be a severe persecution of Christians. It's going to be, so I, I I've said it before, but in some ways Francis is what's making it easy to be Catholic right now. So you guys got to kind of appreciate the calm before the storm because it's going to get, so I got to just say something Andrew said, because I, I understand this feeling of being alone. Right. So he's like, yeah, exciting when your family and friends are Catholic and that's understandable. Right. Like if you don't have that, which is why this show has been so freaking good for us, man. Like to be fair, my family's not Catholic. No, but you have friends like this. is That's what I'm saying. Just even us mm -hmm. hanging and talking about Catholic, like it, this mm -hmm. show has made, dude, I just ordered St. Gregory of Nisa, uh, the life of Moses. Mm. Can't wait for it to come because I want to, I, I cannot wait to read this book. I've heard a lot about it, but I also want to get some of the other church fathers because I'm, I'm trying to read research stuff for the show so that I can shut up about the creation story and give you guys something new. <laughs> don't, don't forget, we do still have to have uh, John Wynn on about 
the book. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, okay. So also, Rob and I are Rob and I are going to hang tomorrow in the green room. We got some ideas that we're going over. So we want to do some higher production, shorter videos where they're not us just shooting the crap and you know like this. We want to actually do like a 15 or 20 minute presentation on the Crusades. We want to do a 15 or 20 minute presentation on the Inquisition. We want to do same thing for Catherine of Aragon. Mm-hmm. I mean, that woman, she to me is a martyr for marriage in a way, even though she wasn't killed for her, you know, she is, she died to herself while King Henry humiliated that woman. Mm-hmm. And went and basically was the he's like the patron saint of the red pill movement. <laughs> so true, dude. I'll never be able to keep up with Josh, but he does give me ideas of things to, to think about. And even uh, man, Michael Hitchborn, um, the, the things that that show we did with him where he talked about like the pre the anti diluvian world, it, it still resonates with me now and it makes me just really contemplate these things man just how important it is to not think materialistically especially in this time when you're seeing all these things going on around you you have to think in a way where you realize like even during lent right now with fasting i want to freaking give in so bad every day and i just keep really trying to think of what I was saying earlier, when you give into your carnal desires, you go into a more debased version of yourself. Mm-hmm. When you fast from these material things, you, it elevates you to a higher place and you go to the mountain, meaning God on the, on the mountain of God. And it, it's just not giving into that spirit of temptation because there is a spirit behind it. And you can't just say it's a feeling. It's an actual spirit calling you to give it. Just give in. It's not that big of a deal. Just go have, just have something for breakfast. Don't worry about it. Like it's an actual spirit calling you there. And when you see it as an actual spirit and you're not just thinking it's your own, you know, weakness, like just stop thinking it's just your own. It's actually a spirit calling you. You have to stand strong against the spirits that are trying to pull you away from your God. What did you, if you guys don't mind me asking, what did you guys decide to do for Lent? Cause I was like, you know, gone for the beginning of Lent. So I kind of missed all the like pre Lenten hype. I am doing one meal a day, no meat Wednesdays and Fridays. Okay, and that's it. So, I'm doing, yeah, Rob. I was. Just, I'm. I'm doing pretty something pretty similar. Uh, fasting until I get home from work, and then uh, no meat. Okay, yeah, because cool. you have Rob's on keto with no meat. Yeah, hey. the keto part is is for health from my doctor. It's not doesn't have anything to do with Lent, other than it makes it. St- suck <laughs> the awesome thing for it's me like is eggs that, and cheese that's what i get to eat guys eggs and cheese oh I, oh I gave up bread and cheese also so even when i come home and have my meal it can't be bread cheese or meat on mon- on wednesdays and fridays now for most people i know that doesn't sound too bad but keep in mind he's italian that dude is... that's all i eat literally all i eat is sandwiches and pizza <laughs> it is my entire diet Every day at work, egg sandwich in the morning, sandwich for lunch, come home, my wife makes pasta, I throw mozzarella cheese on it, parmesan cheese on it. That is my whole diet. So the awesome thing is my wife is doing it with me, and because we can only eat once a day, like we're both so excited to eat for dinner. Like tonight, I came home, my wife made teriyaki glazed 
salmon with broccolini and brown rice. Like it was, yeah, I I came up, I've never been so oh, excited to eat something. Eat rice. Brown rice. Yeah, it was good. But that's, yeah, that's one thing that's been difficult since becoming more traditional, uh, especially in terms of like Lenten and fasting and abstinence. My wife's been either pregnant or breastfeeding the entire time. Yeah. So she's never, you know, I've never let her do any of it with me because yeah. it's just unhealthy. Yeah, no, that's not good. Yeah. So, um, Christian, so the oh, first hey. week was a lot of sniping. Now it's getting a little better. Like we're both like we're both actually encouraging each other and stuff. It's it's pretty good now. We, we want. Yeah. Let's do we want to talk about Russell? Yeah. So I, I sent you the clip, right? Yep. All right, so um, we, yeah, we, that's a thank you for the segue for uh, Fractor Spiritus. <laughs> oh no, Nick, Nick, what are, what are you doing for Lent? I'm doing essentially what I've been mostly always doing, which is just it's I call it like a little bit stricter version of the 1917 Code Lent. So basically, best way to remember it is the same rules that you do for Ash Wednesday and Good Friday of just like one meal a day and two collations. I do that Monday through Saturday, um, and then Sunday I just maintain. Uh, abstinence for meat but i can have up to three meals so but for my collations i'm very strict because it's like people are like well what is you know how much does a snack really need to add up before it's a meal and so i just follow what the manuals say so like if i do have a morning collation two ounces so like a piece of toast and then for an evening collation it can be up to eight ounces so that's like some soup and bread but that's it yeah so i started at 3 a.m this morning mm-hmm. I, I had to leave my house at 3 a.m I was struggling, like just energy wise. Like I, I was afraid I was going to fall asleep. I had a hard boiled egg this morning, you know, oh, like yeah. just to get me through the day until I got home. And then I had that meal. Like if I, because of my job, it's, there's been, I've been trying to stick to just one meal a day, but I had like, a, I had a hard boiled egg this morning. Just that's, to, why you know, collations, that's why collations were introduced. It was like, yeah. it, you know, it's so much easier when you're like working from home with your family in the 13th century. But when you're out there, like, busting rocks in the industrial age you're like bro can i please have some eggs (laughs) i'll tell you right now if i was home if i had a if i worked from home like if i had a job like rob sitting in an office i'd have a harder time not eating see that's yeah it's not it it's not so hard when i'm at work but like i i i haven't been fasting on saturdays or sundays just because, like, and when I'm making breakfast for the family or hey, cooking for the kids and stuff, right? So, and then, yeah, so I, I'm just not fasting on Saturdays or Sundays. So, yeah, I haven't been home on a Saturday yet. Mm, like, this will be the first Saturday I'm home. This is going to be hard tomorrow. <laughs> when I'm at work, it's just like work. Like, I'm doing stuff. I got paperwork going on. I'm, you know, marking jobs out. I'm doing that. Like, it's almost like my mind's busy. I'm not worried like i get hungry but it's i got something to keep me busy what, what chicken dance video is being talked about talking about the video kenny hall put up a few days ago it was a man oh, i'm not i don't like video. playing sacrilege yeah it was horrible yeah i'd rather not i mean not that i judge kennedy for doing it or anything i just i don't know i i honestly i didn't want to even i i haven't even watched the actual i did I homily thing i couldn't bring myself to watch oh it. no i saw a clip of it yeah 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 it's just go, go watch an SSPX homily and you'll feel better after. <laughs> I didn't even want to talk the St. Pat's thing because I, I've been, I've been, I've been thinking about like, what, what are we doing on this channel a lot? And I'm like, 
I kind of, I kind of want God to bless what we're doing, you know. And I think if we're just drama merchants, I don't know if He will. And I, I want this to be something that people get something from, you know, and not just anger. I agree. I've been thinking the same thing with my show, where I'm just kind of like, that's why sometimes I'm just like, look, y'all, this is just not the Catholic Church. Go read a good Catholic book. Go find a good mass and yeah. focus there. And because it's, it's just like this is just a. A horse and pony show on the side. Yeah. So, what to- are we doing by pointing that all out? It's like, I, like honestly, I, I think if you if you have a a good mass that you attend, have a good parish life. Try to not like dwell on this. Like, we're gonna see it. You're gonna see it online. You're gonna know what's going on. It's just, I I don't. It's one thing if we talk about it occasionally here, but like, I never want to be the show that dwells on church drama. I just don't. I feel, I feel dirty after doing it. <laughs> I, I think, you, I think you can do it kind of like we did tonight. You can like bring it up for like five minutes, but that's not the point of the whole show. Oh it's no. That's like, what I, I think tonight was a great show. We talked to yeah. it and it also kind of naturally came up, even though okay. we had it in the thumbnail, it kind of naturally came up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Let's do the Russell brand thing because this is interesting. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if it's strictly a hollow ad. I've not heard of this, this story. All right. Oh, is this the one where he's talking about like he's getting closer to Christianity? That was earlier. This is a new one. Uh-oh. This one he talks about the, the about Lent. Talks about onanism, like giving up looking at filthy images. And it stuff literally like says onanism, doesn't he? Oh yeah. Faith? Okay. Yeah. He's he's definitely no great. He does it in a yoga pose. So. <laughs> Right, but okay, so you could sit there and judge him for that, or you could say, "Look, God's obvious." No, like, I, I don't. God's, I just say God's doing something in this guy, man. Like, I, like, don't. Uh, let's try not to put God in a box and how he works in somebody's heart. You know oh, I don't, mean? Like, don't say that stupid phrase. I hate that phrase so bad. I do too. But <laughs> all right, let's watch. It's Lent. What's the point of Lent? Are you doing Lent? I'm doing Lent. I've stopped eating sugar. That means I'm not having sugar in my tea. Now, as an Englishman, too, this dude. is an incredible Me sacrifice. Too. But the point of Lent, I have learned, because I'm doing this uh, Hallow app that I got off of my mate. Well, actually, I bought it. I got it off of Jonathan Rumi, who plays Jesus in Chosen. And I once worked for Mark Wahlberg when I'd done that show, Ballers, and Jonathan Rumi was my body double. Jesus is my body double. That's, That's my catchphrase. So because I've been listening to Lent stuff on this app, I've been contemplating the purpose of Lent, that it's not just to choose something to give up. It's actually to bring us closer to God and expose how dependent I have become on the little pleasure of sugar in tea. But for all of my espousing spiritual principles, the fact that I'm drink and drug free, that I work a program around all forms of behavior and attachment, I try to be conscious all of the time of what I'm doing for myself rather than in service. And I trip up every single day continually. What Lent gives me the opportunity to do is recognize my dependence on external things. Sometimes I say to people that I walk this path with, the path of recovery, the spiritual path, you're going to give up your connection to God for a biscuit. You're going to give up your connection to God for a pint, for a look at some uh, salacious sight in the dead of night, some onanistic circular fumble of self. You'll give up your connection to the Almighty for that. So I suppose that in Lent, we should be looking at together the possibility and opportunity that we can give up material connections, that our connection to God 
will be stronger. Let me know in the chat and comments what you okay, so that's a wrap. are going to so, give. All right. He said some good things in there, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, you're going to give up your connection to God for some visual sight, some onanistic thing, right? Like, you really have to think like that, especially any of the guys that are watching, man, because I know guys struggle with that, man. Like, you really have to look at it like, I am choosing this over God. And you have to think that, like, if you keep playing around with mortal sin like that, yeah. you will lose your faith. It's just what will have seen it happen to so many guys. It happened to me. You will lose your faith. And I, I'm trying to figure out if that was strictly a hallow ad, because it very well could be, right? Oh, my, Jonathan Rumi and Mark Wahlberg and the hallow app, but. I do think something's going on with him, man. I, I, I'm not saying he's Catholic, but. Oh, I think he is. Cause it's like, I've seen like two or three of his videos recently where he's, be, he's sounding an awful lot like us in many ways, but it's awesome. It's just like, look, I'll encourage him to, you know, keep pressing forward, but you're absolutely right. Like lust is one of those sins that every single moral manual will say that if you get ensnared in, you are going to fall into the vice of despair and lose your faith because you're going to think it's impossible. That's why the first step right outside of confession to defeating that vice is you have to first and foremost believe that it is possible to defeat it. If you don't believe that, it's never going to be defeated. I remember for me, when it got eradicated from my life, it was literally through that first step of just being like, okay, I have to first recognize that it's I'm like by God's grace, I'm capable of defeating it. And then literally just do what the church has said to do and you're going to be walking away free from it. And sometimes, you know, sometimes the best way I think for guys to get that beaten into your head is just this question of being like, what kind of dad do you want your faith? Like, do you want to be? And what kind of mo like going back to what we were talking about when it comes to being like masculine, if you can't role model to your sons right now, or even to what you would hope your sons would want to role model. Now that's something for you to really yeah. check on. Right. Because that's the real key. It's like, I don't want to be someone who's addicted to anything and have my sons follow my pattern just in the same way that when I'm looking out for a spouse, I don't want the girl that I'm wanting to date to dress like I would want my daughters to look up to the dress if she's dressing inappropriate. Yeah, dude, I, I, it's funny you're saying that uh, because just the the very point of you have to believe it's possible. So I remember. When I went like before I had this thing under control, I was complaining to my cousin. I'm like, dude, why doesn't God give us the like I'm praying? Why doesn't God give us the grace to like to, to, to conquer this? He goes, he does give you the grace. You just haven't accepted it. Like you just you just haven't made up in your mind. I'm done with this yet. Exactly. And that was like a light bulb went off in my head. It's like, oh, man, like that's crazy. And then I went. And I had a priest give me a penance where it was set your alarm every day at three. I mean, a lot of people that listen to the show all the time know the story, but have me set my alarm every day at three o'clock to pray the rosary or the divine mercy chaplet. And that just that combined with my son and realizing if I want to be a good father, like my son needs to know your mom is the only woman your dad looks at. So it, it was like a combination of things. I know people that watch all the time probably sick of hearing that story but i'm not um, i've heard it like five times and i still think it's epic yeah it's uh, um it's, but with russell man I, dude i'm telling you look he's here's the thing he's reading the gospels with an open mind and an open heart 
Mm-hmm. And now practicing Lent and fasting. Like, dude, that's like a recipe. Like, all this guy needs is to get handed a rosary, and it's a wrap. That's I, think what I, think. I think he's talked about praying the rosaries. Has he? I think in a video just shortly before this one. Interesting. Well, he's, let, me, he's, let me see if I can find that. He's friends with Jordan Peterson. And, you know, maybe maybe Jordan's wife had, had gave him a rosary or something. I mean... He's pr- if he's praying the rosary, he's, that's a wrap, dude. This guy's coming, becoming Catholic. So yeah, um, so Nick Donald, Deacon Nick Donnelly says that um, Russell Brand says that he prays the Most Holy Rosary daily. Oh hey. man, he, he's in Nancy. We spoke about you earlier in the show. <clears throat> yeah, dude. I think uh, it's funny because as as you're seeing the chaos in the church and things like that, like you're also seeing these crazy conversions. I saw this, this guy uh, just before. Let me see. Oh no, I just lost it. Uh, this guy is Nancy wants to know what you said about her. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the, um, the parents that are bringing the case that their, their child was taken away uh for gender identity like their child was taken away and they're bringing the case to the supreme court and i was go back and listen it's worth listening to i was wondering if like conservatives have framed the argument wrong so this guy jeff putnam uh he's a full-time writer ghostwriter of fiction and nonfiction. uh he's got sixty thousand twitter followers says my daughter is going to a first holy communion retreat tomorrow at my parish like me last may was the first time she'd ever stepped foot in a catholic church i enrolled my younger kids in catechism classes and me my wife and my older kids in rcia rcia last august and as a family we've never missed a mass or class this easter vigil my entire family will be baptized confirmed and receive first holy communion i mean dude you hear these sort like so unbelievable that while the chaos that where everybody's oh, this is going on, this is going on, it's like God is still miraculously pulling people in to let him let them know he loves them and his church is the true church that Christ founded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to we need to talk about the, that those things more. Make those the thumbnails and the storylines. Um, I, yeah, Christine, I, I, I see that point. Yeah, you definitely do. Right. I just don't know if I want us to be those guys. Like yeah. Kennedy's a news reporter, right? Like, like Kennedy is your hard hitting news guy. Same thing with uh, Taylor. Like those guys actually do like, they are the breaking story guys. I mean, I work a day job. Me and Rob have to think about like, oh, what do you want to talk about tonight? Like it's, it's just a different vibe on this channel. This channel, I want more to be just, uh, we're just hanging with our friends and whatever comes up comes up. I mean, I did we we had like some ideas of where we were gonna go tonight, but we're an hour and 40 minutes in, and it feels like the show flew by. It really you know, did. Right? Like that's when you know you had a good show. When the, when you look up, and you're like, oh man, it's almost two hours already. <laughs> what uh, I'm curious about because you mentioned it at the uh I think before the show started, but what is this? This would be your your segue into a video about Big Don. What's going on with uh Big Donald Trump these days. That you- oh, oh yeah, yeah, Rob like, was playing that. I was gonna open the show with it. I was gonna open the show with this. It's some like troll video or something, right? Uh, let me look. Let me pull. Yeah, and I, and I never want anybody to think I'm knocking guys that do that. Like I'm not. I don't. I I just think some guys are better at it than us. And I I just I don't know. I don't feel natural doing it. Like it's it's one Thanks. thing it's a big story. You know, like the St. Patrick's Cathedral is a big story. When when uh uh. 
what was it? Uh, FedUs when Fiducia supplicants come out. Like, how do you not talk about that? Of course, you're going to talk about that. I just don't want to be the breaking story guys. Like, oh man, this drama happened. This drama happened. It was just, but yeah. This yeah. honestly, Paul, that is what this show should be. Like, I listened to those guys growing up, and like to to say that that hasn't influenced the dynamic on the show would just be a lie. Uh, all right, let's play the Trump video real quick. I wanted to open with this in honor of Nick. <laughs> of this country. It's the biggest thing missing. We have to bring back our religion. We have to bring back Christianity in this country. <laughs> That's it. That's all it was. Uh, a great hey. harmony. I love hey. Anthony Stein. Um, yeah, so, but he also doesn't, look, so, like, people were coming down on him because he wrote something about IVF today. Like, he doesn't understand IVF is bad. Like, uh, and a lot of Protestants, though, a lot of Protestants just think, IVF, you're struggling with having a baby. Oh, science made it so that we could have a baby. Like, they do not have the philosophical foundation to understand what you are doing with IVF. IVF is, I mean, if you explained IVF to somebody in the Middle Ages, they would say, that is witchcraft. Oh yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, that's, you're exactly right. As well as I'd say to people like, you know, cut the guy some slack in some sense, because it's like, aside from the fact that, yeah, he's not a Catholic and he's not like a philosopher by any stretch of the imagination, not formed in in the Catholic worldview. Like, look, the guy clearly believes that there are demons in this world. If you were in his position, how would you not believe that there are demons in his world when you just see absolutely how unglued and how evil people have become uh, as, toward, yeah. toward the dude? It's like you got to believe in a God. And so all we can do is pray for him, right? He's not perfect. No one ever just claimed his be, but, you know, he's doing Yeah, God can use the imperfect to do things. So, it, dude, it's so much worse than just an abortion factor. Like, it is that. It it's, is it's, that. It's, it's, it's horrific. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it, definitely a... A further warping of of like of the of natural law, like even I mean, worse dude, than dude, abortion. It, it, it goes into the stupid materialist thinking again, too. People think it's just science. You're just doing no. You're doing something so warped. You are actually doing what like a succubus does, <laughs> and like you're taking the seed of a man and implanting it separately from the procreative marital act into a war. It is witchcraft, dude. Like you, you just, people don't see things for what they are. There is a spirit behind this. A, like there's a, 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 a spirit that demands sacrifice. The children are being sacrificed for the one that gets to go through. It is so it's, demonic. It's definitely occultic for sure. Think, oh, for sure. I think C.S. Lewis, or it may, it's probably C.S. Lewis, but he said something to the effect of like, demons and Satan are trying to get you to have as much premarital sex or adultery as possible. But then when you're married, he's trying to prevent you from having as much as possible. Yeah. Right. In the, in the sense of like, you know, actually just being with your wife mm-hmm. or vice versa. And it's so true. Satan will do whatever he can from bringing more people made in God's image into the world. But he's totally fine if you just separate that and follow your hedonistic pleasures wherever they go. There was some guy, there was some guy who posted a spreadsheet of all the times his wife denied him. No, I saw that. Yeah. It was pretty funny, but it dude. Are you serious? Yeah. He posted a spreadsheet. He asked her every day over the course of like 
two and a half months and she only said yes like three times it, it was months. every 10 days she said yes no it was like every 17 days something like that. once every 17 Anthony days. counted oh i did i was like <laughs> that? dude that that would erupt into like you don't even know the war that would cause in my home because i'd say what's on my mind there's no like imagine I, that I would never. <laughs> that will never happen in this house. <laughs> Someone click clip just this part of the conversation, dude. I'm telling you, send like, it to his wife. It, what? She'll be the one to tell you. He never leaves me alone. <laughs> the thing is, you know, you, like, you know, you, you know. At least I know Anthony will never do something like that because he doesn't know how to use Excel. That's hundred percent. I'd be like, Rob, can you have, Rob, you got to meet me in the green room. You gotta Aunt, no, I'm not making this spreadsheet. <laughs> Rob needs to start getting paid. Goodness gracious. <laughs> uh, this is actually a good point. If because it definitely was on a I don't uh, it was no, it but was, all her excuses, all her excuses were I'm watching a show, I'm not in the mood right now. Her excuses were like she's like, I'm I'm watching a show right now, I don't want to. I have a headache tonight. I didn't <laughs> no listen. So Rob, Rob, Rob texts us the other morning. We're in a group chat, me, him, Jason, and Mark, and he texts us the other morning. Do you guys like, even remember Jason and Mark anymore? All, all you yeah, we got to get them back on. I thought you were going to do a show with them when I was away. Well, so here's the thing: we didn't. I didn't tell you. Um, what did I? Did I have my surgery when you were? No, no. You I guys were going to. You guys were going to do. I was yeah, we were gonna do trivia without telling you. That would have been hilarious, dude. But I ended up being too sick. <laughs> oh That's man. So funny. So um yeah, so we're in a group chat and Rob texts us and he's like, he's like, dude, I've been up all night. Uh what, what was it that uh, Maddie was sick all night, right? It was like it was like Maddie was up sick all night. I would go, All I'm hearing is you had your kid in your bed last night and you didn't sleep all night. (laughs) He's like, Maddie doesn't sleep in my bed anymore. (laughs) That's great. All I'm hearing is you were up all night because your kid slept in your bed and was coughing all night. You couldn't sleep. (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Um, Did you, uh, what what was, uh, did you find the uh, rosary video with Russell Brand or no? It wasn't a video. It was, I saw the, it was just a tweet that I had seen and I, I saw that one. So, Someone noticed, um, I guess, in in one of his live streams, he was wearing a rosary. Someone noticed it, and he said the Hail Mary on air. Oh, Um, wow. That's pretty cool. Oh, so going back to what... um, Yeah, so those those shorter, well-produced videos that we're going to do... You gotta understand. <laughs> we we should make a, a list of Anthony sayings. <laughs> you want to know what's funny? As the, when the show starts, I try to speak properly with my R's, but like every once in a while, the slang will slip. Especially towards the end, <laughs> as I get more tired and I, my R's get less pronounced as the show Is it goes. Mario on. or Mario? That's the question. Mario. It's Mario. Mm-hmm. We'll have this fight till the end of time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, so it, but those. It's like those scenario. More, Nobody says scenario. It's not scenario. It's a hundred percent scenario. Nick, what would you say? Uh, probably. But see, this is the thing. I'm from Texas. We already we like slur everything. So I would probably actually say I would say scenario. Yeah. But it's probably pronounced scenario. That's the- Rob. Say roof. Roof. 
You say rough. <laughs> you don't <Rough>. say rough. <laughs> you say rough. And you say button. <laughs> now I say button. Button. <laughs> button. Um, so all right. So those long those shorter, more well-produced videos, what we're going to do is Nick's Nick's probably gonna help us with them. Um Rob and I oh you know what we should talk about too after this? The 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 great thumbnail controversy. Or we have you been seeing the text Father Nix has been sending? No. Talking about getting a, a certain Mel Gibson on, possibly. Oh, my gosh. How crazy would that be? That'd be cool, right? It'd be epic. Uh, yeah, I mean, but I just, I don't know if he'll do it, but I, how crazy. If we got Mel Gibson on, I would want to talk to him about the Patriot and Braveheart. More than the passion. The passion's like a, an easy give me, but Braveheart and and the Patriot are two movies that that just like Braveheart. It, we were soldiers is my favorite. We were soldiers is epic. All three of those are great. The Patriot, dude, that was such a freaking. And doesn't he direct? He directs. Uh, what was it? Um, Hacksaw Ridge. That's that's what Father Nix yeah. wants us it's to talk about. My sense of the Patriots agree. Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, because there is some like I under <laughs> like I respect this. I respect the message, but I don't take it as an absolutist because pacifism is def like absolute pacifism is not a Catholic. Right. It's no, but that story was a, about a man who wasn't. He wasn't a coward. He was plenty yeah. courageous. He just, exactly. you know, it was it was more a story of religious freedom. But I think the Catholic themes in Braveheart and the Patriot are way more powerful than yeah. we were soldiers. I just do. Yeah. So I mean, we won't talk, uh, you know, lethal weapon with them or anything. But... Oh come on now, <laughs> those are classics. That is oh, just I love them, comedy gold. I don't know. I'd have to go back and rewatch them and try to find some Catholic themes in the one. Like, do, do you remember when jacket when Don, Donnie Glover was uh was attached to the table with the bomb or the toilet with the bomb in it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, those videos that we're going to do, we're going to put on locals first. Um. They're going to be shown to our locals viewers first. We're going to ask you guys opinions, what you guys think. And then we will release them to the, you know, you guys will get a first look at them. We actually didn't go to locals tonight because Rob put all of his, his Lenten reflections. That we have a limit on number yeah. of streams on locals. So every day when I've been doing my Lenten meditations, I've been putting them on locals and used up all of our live streams. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have any live streams left on locals until we hit 500 subs. Which you guys, come on! Well, I'm so tired. Of what are you guys at? You're not at 500 yet? No, 280. Not on locals. Yeah, guys, go give them a, a sub. Come on, we have a lot of cheap viewers. <laughs> oh my gosh! Who say Mario? I don't know if insulting our viewers is quite the marketing. I thought they were Catholic. Apparently, they're Amish. I thought we had a Catholic audience, apparently. Hey, they're too busy digging tunnels to subscribe. <laughs> That's literally what my joke was going to be. <laughs> oh, sorry. Stop digging tunnels and go to locals, guys. We really want you to support this show. You guys are our friends. You hang out here twice a week with us. Yeah, next Thursday is the next movie review. The and confession, it right? is... Wasn't it? The, or, no, it's not the, the confession. Uh, I have to watch it still. Um, I confess. I confess. I confess. Go. I need to I watch confess. it. I confess. Yeah, it's an Alfred Hitchcock movie. I have what never seen Town? it. 
dude, I was I was thinking about like there's so many Catholic movies that we could we could do like that that but series is to do going to go on. That series is going to go on for a long time because there's just so many movies that we could actually go over. Um, <clears throat> oh, so now the the great. Uh, the controversy over thumbnails. Oh boy! So, <laughs> so we had Joshua Charles on uh, Tuesday. <clears throat> so I wake up on, uh, I guess Wednesday or Thursday morning. Yeah, yesterday morning. I, I wake up and I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna make a crazy thumbnail and put it on a video. For the first half of the conversation, it was about like against Protestants. So I make this thumbnail. He literally wakes up and goes, hmm. How can I stir the pot today? How can I stir the pot? So I wrote, I wrote, um, dishonest, low IQ arguments, low IQ no, Protestant arguments. Protest, no, you just said Protestants. Oh, did yeah, yes, did. you did. Dishonest, low IQ Protestants <laughs> with a picture of James White and Gavin Ortland. With James White and Gavin Ortland, and <laughs> I put it up. Rob looks at it and he goes, That's that's too much. Like, no way. Well, so that I just it, wasn't a fan of the design, but he takes it down and he tones it down a bit. So Rob and I have this like this whole like thing about like like we start arguing over thumbnail. Not arguing. I'm just like, dude, I want to like make them a little more edgy. Like, we gotta make them a little more edgy. Like, all our thumbnails are basically just like a picture of us. We don't really put words out. I'm like, I wanna, we gotta you gotta make you know, you gotta put a little country. So we put it up, and like in the comments, a couple of people are like, I I hesitated to click on this. I love you guys, but this is this is really uncharitable. So Rob says it to me, he's like, What do you think? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, thumbnails are supposed to be controversial. Like, I still clicked on it. <laughs> he still clicked on it. <laughs> and the guy didn't watch the original video with, jo- with Josh Charles, but he clicked on this one. So it's still got on the cloud. I'm like, let's just leave it. And after this, the inquirer was born. I go to bed because I have to wake up at 3 a.m. And yeah, right. I go to bed shortly at- after Anthony goes to bed, I get a phone call from Joshua Charles uh, while I'm getting the kids to bed. So I didn't answer. Then I started getting texts from Joshua. Yeah. He, so we're in a group text and he's like, I can't believe you guys put me in this position. Like, this is this is just so. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, like whoa, he- whoa, whoa, whoa. Not you guys. Yeah, yeah, it was me. <laughs> it was 100% me. Rob didn't want to do it. I'm like, no, do it, do it, do it. So I wake up at 3 a.m. and I see like a barrage of texts. Did you like, call Josh right in the morning? Well, he's in California. It was midnight by him. Dude, he's up till one in the morning. Okay. I'm just saying, up- really? You called him at midnight? Yeah. No, I didn't call him. I texted him. I said, Are you up? And he goes, My throat's hurting and I don't feel like talking to you right now. I'm like, do it. <laughs> Oh, I know that feeling so well. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> this is a moment I'm really just happy to be me right now. <laughs> oh, the worst. So listen, now when I when I put the thumbnail up, like I wasn't even thinking like like Joshua has a very professional demeanor. Like he's trying to do serious things, right? Like we're a goofy show. We, we like nice. to stir the pot. Like we're known for that. So like when I when I put it up, I wasn't even like thinking about Josh. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I, got in trouble. I know you. <laughs> um, so I wasn't even thinking about him. Like he wasn't even like an afterthought. <laughs> it was just how are we gonna get people to click this video? And I'm hoping to get redeemed Zoomers audience and Gavin Ortland's audience to click on the video because Rob put a question mark. It was like, <laughs> are these are they low IQ Protestants? 
Yeah, they could be. We never said anything about them being low IQ. Oh, I you mean, Josh, found the loophole. <laughs> Josh, Josh made the comment: these are low IQ Protestant arguments, but it wasn't about them, right? <laughs> 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 so. Oh, yeah, poor Mr. Charles is right. So, I, yeah, he was he was just like, dude, come on. I'm I'm like I'm I have like a thing I'm coming out with soon. I don't need to be like mixed up in this. I'm like, dude, we took it down. I'm so sorry. So I texted him earlier today. I'm like, you still mad at me? <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, I'm not mad at you anymore, Anthony. Don't worry about it. He goes, we're good. I said, I said, I'm I'm glad we're good because I would be very upset if we weren't good. Like I actually I really do like treasure my friendship with josh so <laughs> i hope he's not mad anymore no we're good we're texting everything's fine so i'm just gonna say now audience if any of the thumbnail changes in the next 24 hours is something i didn't say it's anthony so now when <laughs> yeah we break but i gotta do it <laughs> when we break this show up tonight um <laughs> we have a few different topics we did i want to be as outrageous as we can now people are like Come on, you guys. That's unprofessional. I was like, dude, do you watch the show? Like, what do you want from us? If you expected anything else, that's on you. The, the thing is, like, we're, we're our channel should be Charles do that one more episode for next. Savins is annoyed with me because I he's annoyed with me. Um, because I DM'd him and asked him if he would come on and talk about creation, and he didn't respond. That's the first time he didn't respond to me. He always responds to me, and he didn't respond. And me and Michael Hitchborn were in that public thread with him, and I was like, maybe we could do a- <laughs> I'm like, maybe we could do a crisis Lepanto Babylon crossover or something, but he just I, I think he's I think he's mad at me, but I don't know why. I mean. We never said anything. We just, you know, I just think he's got a boomer opinion on evolution. That's why he's mad at you, because you keep poking and poking <laughs> and poking. <laughs> he knows it comes from a place of love. Uh, anything else we want to get to tonight? What do you guys got? You got anything? No, not really. Just uh, everyone do yourself a favor. Do the Harrisons a favor, right? Keep praying for him and uh, go buy a calendar from him. Definitely worth your time. <laughs> By They're not doing any sort Harrisons. of um, GoFundMe or anything like that. They don't. So thankfully, most of their stuff is all paid for. Um, thank the good Lord. There's honestly been some miracles that have that have worked out in their favor. But yeah, just big thing I can just sincerely ask is just pray for them that everything will truly, at least, if it's not going to be returned to normal, will become as normal as possible. Because you yeah. know, they're amazing people. They're learning how to. I mean, they're they're parenting five kids. But one of them, you know, they're going to have to learn how to how to deal with the child with the trach tube. And so definitely just pray for them that they'll be able to continue to do that well and that the little one will be able to recover and live a great life. That'd be just awesome. Yeah, so go support the Harrisons. and. Uh, oh, yes, and Margo, my 15-hour video is going to be coming up. <laughs> Fairly soon. I've just been out of state for the last is three that the, Is that the breakdown of uh, what's his name's? Yeah, so fun. I mean, I guess this is the last stirring the pot moment, but I have a I have an official long form response to it's like over a year old now, but John Saul's interview with Matt Frad, where I go through clip by clip. 
of at least the portions where he talks about the SSPX and I show how they're not just completely off the wall. Um, but they're just truly in many, in many cases, I'm not saying this about him, but just the arguments just salacious in, in many instances. And so it's taken a while to make because one, it's 15 hours and two, I've been out of state, but it's coming up within the next couple of weeks. Well, the thing is, I know so many people that were convinced by his arguments. So I really would like to see um, somebody equipped to, de- you know, debate his arguments. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, I think Kennedy Hall and I are thinking about doing something post. Um, yeah. Like, show or something like that maybe a little bit of a quasi series joined together discussing some of individually but don't worry if you guys can't get through 15 hours totally get that this is not michael lofton show i'm gonna break this up into like 30 minute (laughs) clips so that people can actually watch it more realistically i'm gonna brew up a fight between kennedy and salmons (laughs) that's my next thing i'm gonna brew up a fight between those two you just like go to bed and at like 3 a.m it's like i'm gonna brew a fight between kennedy and salmon i have a picture of you and Kennedy and Eric all shoulder to shoulder smiling at the at the, the cap- in, in, at the Capitol Grill. There you are going. Dinner. I'm gonna brew a fight between these two. <laughs> <laughs> we went went to dinner together at the Capitol Grill. Had steaks together. <clears throat> all the while, Anthony was becoming friends with both of them, so we know they're precious. So, so he could tear them apart. I'm gonna I'm gonna get Kennedy to, and, and Eric to discuss creation. Because they do the one Peter five episode every once in a while, and I'm gonna get, but it's not live. They never do it live. Yeah, because they know so you would. They know it's pre recorded. I, w- I want to. I gotta brew some trouble up over there. <laughs> What's well, nothing yet? That's the problem. He's gonna. <laughs> yeah, you. exactly. No, well, the creation thing. Kennedy's a young Earth creationist, and Eric Eric is a modernist <laughs> evolutionist. See, I would just love if Anthony had like a little bit more clout, so that he could just be like, "I'm going to brew controversy between Donald Trump and Pope Francis." He's just thinking this <laughs> three a.m. I wish I had that kind of clout. That would be great. <laughs> but uh, I would like everyone before they go to bed tonight pray that he never gets that much clout. Please <laughs> <laughs> offer your Linson sacrifices for that petition. You got, yeah, you guys don't understand. I was in in middle school and high school. Um, my principal in middle school pulled me aside and asked me if I would be a peer mediator. I know this so story. She's like, she's like, you were very well liked by everybody. And you know, sometimes kids are about to have a, a fight. Like if you if you hear like there's gonna be a fight at the end of school. I want you to be the one to bring those people together and maybe sit them down and have a conversation. And I would purposely get people to fight and then bring them into peer mediation and get them to sit down and squash the beef. You basically ensured that your position would continue. I would start an argument between them and then I would sit them down and be like, listen, guys, Listen. Just uh, if you haven't confessed that one yet, you should write that one down for next time. <laughs> I'm going to do that with Kennedy and Eric. I'm going to brew up a fight, and then I'm going to answer his own question. <laughs> I'm gonna... You have the Amish revolutionary spirit. <laughs> Wait, did you, what's the video of the 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 
it's it's like uh the oh when they're yeah, getting arrested yeah, you're, for tunnels. you're like an arsonist firefighter <laughs> exactly what i have no the the, uh, the the tunnel guy's getting arrested and they're playing the godfather theme or something or it's like the where is oh you gotta find that video right now no it's just funny okay. <laughs> just showing how, how how the amish and the italians get, they got some similarities you know except more except the the Italians aren't trying to overturn Christian civilization. <laughs> uh, unless they're in Italy, apparently, right now with the paganism. Well, that's a, I don't <laughs> that's yeah. a fair point. All right, you guys got anything in the comments you want us to discuss? Come on, give us some, give us some stuff because we got about. Oh, we're already over two hours. I was going to say, how long do you want this to go? Eh, Rival right. our four-hour stream. I don't know. My wife's sleeping. What am I doing? So is is mine, but I think one of my children's awake down by himself downstairs. I don't know how good that could go. I got so excited tonight that it was Friday. I'm like, guys, we're going on on Friday. We can have a beer on air. And then I texted them on the phone. I'm like, it's Uh, Lent. That sucker. I can't even have a beer. It's Lent. Holy cow. I was so happy. It was Friday night that we were going to sit up and drink. Like, if we were drinking right now, we would hang out for another two hours for sure. Like, Nick, I know you're good for a five-hour show. Oh, yeah, because I'm single and no one's around so (laughs) (laughs) who's at your grandmother's with you uh i just my mom and dad i actually met them up here and uh we're all hanging out hanging out with the grandparents yeah um so my wife says to me all the time she goes so like i'll i mean i get up at four i go to work i get home and then we come down here and we do this till 10 at night i mean i'm sleeping like five hours a night on the nights when we do the show my wife's just like i don't know how you have the energy it's weird i'll be exhausted and then once we get on, it's like I just turn on. I don't know. I can't explain it. I where's can do it in two hours. Where's my banjos? They're they're back in Texas weeping that I'm not around them. Um, what happened with the chick? Oh, which which what are you referring uh, to? Yeah, yeah, you were talking like yeah, you might have some. I, I'm in the slow process of of I would say getting mm. to know various nice young women, weeding them out. You got so many options, you're just weeding them out. Yeah, without without maybe <laughs> the, the good thing is at least the one that I've I've wed down to pro- doesn't really have access to the internet very often. So <laughs> <laughs> um, you listen to Anthony's uh, marriage advice video. Good job. But, yeah, the less uh, informed, the better, Nick. <laughs> the less of well. Uh, well let's just put it this way i i am i'm very excited at the prospect of uh being married one day because i don't know like the last three weeks hanging out with kids and like being a quasi you know role model to them it, there's just something just so amazing where it goes from like the theoretical abstract to in real life bro you get so exhausted like taking care of kids like <clears throat> you just be tired but then they just make you laugh and it's it's all worth amazing it really is it's, it's and, great. And- and the thing is, it's like other people's kids are adorable and cute and you'll laugh. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like your like when you watch your kid learn something for the first time, you just like like we, I remember being so annoying about my kids when they were little. And it's like you got you got to kind of remember, like other people don't care about your kids because <laughs> you just want to tell them you don't know what he said last night. You don't know what he said. It's like, dude, I don't care about you. <laughs> Nobody else cares about your kids. You think something's amazing? They're like, yeah, yeah, great. I don't care about your kids. Mrs. Homemaker, she's an actual Amish girl. <laughs> not quite, but not far off either. 
Oh man. Yeah. I mean, you might it might be good to grab a, a Mennonite on Rumspringa. <laughs> Just <laughs> convert. <her. laughs> oh brother. Let's find a, a Mennonite on Rumspringa and <laughs> Just say you're coming with me. You're converting to the Catholic faith. <laughs> All right, guys. This was, this this went on about seven minutes longer than it should. <laughs> At least, I hope you guys had a good laugh with us tonight, man. Quite a roller coaster. Oh, this was a good one. It was fun. Yeah. Um, you got you got a way to take us out. Don't we never know how to end. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, like, all right, Rob, take us out. Um, I'm not gay no more. I am the. That one's always <laughs> funny. <laughs> I love that one. Okay, yeah, here, here we go. We'll go old school tonight. How about that? Let's do it. United Clans, Enoch, let's go. Yo, yo, uh, take me back to my reversion. Unite the clans, I give thanks to each person. It's that same holy water that we immerse in. It's that same tradition that we all each verse in. United we stand and divided they win. They ignited in their plans and the pride they sin. If you think about it, they see us all for the same lands. Their biggest fear is that we all remain friends. I got love for Team Marsh and y'all podcast. I got love for Michael Matt fans. Ryan Grant, Rick, Verity, Flanders, Eric Sammons. Shout out to my boy. John Everton, avoid Babylon. I got love for Anthony and Rob Speak on. If you try, you're persecuted the same for the weak heart. Our rules go way back before the genesis of Greek art, sweetheart.